Hello, and welcome back to MetaStation for our uh, now becoming annual Trailer Flails podcast. Uh, I am Claire. I'm a writer in Portland, Oregon. I am Erin. I am an English professor in Mississippi. We have a special guest recording this podcast with us, uh, Selena Wilkin from Hypeable. Hi, guys. Yay. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. We are so happy you came back. This is going to be so much fun. Oh, my God. (laughs) So we've all seen this uh, trailer way too many times in the last hours. And at least two of us, uh, not me, have gone through it literally frame by frame. I did not literally, do that, although now I feel like I frame by frame. Like, frame. Under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> we are normal. No, I'm saying I'm saying I feel like I feel like I got to school and realized that I had hadn't done my homework. You know, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm behind. <laughs> I am literally sitting here staring at a folder of 5,305 screen caps, every single one of which I have looked at. <laughs> but did you go through and like lighten the backgrounds and like zoom in and sharpen like I did? Or You know, a lo- no? enough people had already done that. <laughs> I didn't do that. Like a lot of the big mystery moments were at like where, where when I first saw it, I was like, what is that? It's like, okay, somebody uh-huh. has already taken care of that. Like by the time, because I didn't get a chance to watch it right away when it came online yesterday because I was at work. Um, so by the time I was like, I had actually seen it, um, enough people had sort of plucked out like, what's that thing in the background? Oh, here it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so God bless Twitter because they people caught all kinds of things that I – had not seen it at all that I'm excited to talk about when we go through it because I they had just breezed right past me in the yeah. darkness. <laughs> it is a very dark show. It is a very dark show on every level, <laughs> literally and metaphorically. But literally, like like my mother was watch, trying to watch it on her, her iPad and she had to give up because she was like, I cannot see a thing that's happening. Like, I have no idea. Oh. It sounds good, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sort of like, the show looks great. If I have one maybe tiny little <laughs> note for post-production, perhaps like a smidge lighter, just so that when it's like sunny and I'm looking at my computer screen, I right. can actually We're all watching something. it on tiny screens, guys. We don't have the fancy like viewing equipment. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Can you make this optimized for iPad? Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's uh, dive in, and I think we're going to start at the beginning, which, so um, so Claire and I got to see the trailer in January when we were in Vancouver for Unity Days. Um, we got to meet Jason Rothenberg, which was great, and it was really hilarious because, like, we went to, you know, we basically went to a bar, you know, to have a drink with Jason, and we were sitting there probably for, like, maybe five minutes or something like that, and he was like, I think I'm probably going to show you the trailer. And we're like, uh, and we like, we didn't ask, we weren't going to ask, like we were not going to be those guys, you know, like we did not want to make it like uncomfortable and be like, Jason, give us spoilers. He just like, like it has been killing him that he couldn't show the people. Yeah. Oh my god, it was like burning a hole in his computer. He literally, and like, and he looked at his, he looked at his, his, uh, assistant and he goes, that's, do you think it's a good idea? And she's like, well, no, but it's not <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? That's really funny, though, because that just reminded me. I met um, Jason at Unity Days as well. I met up with him twice. And the first time I met up with him, 
um, he, and I'm sure he won't, he won't mind me telling this story because it kind of relates to what we were just talking about. He was like, Oh, I would really like to show the, you the trailer. I have it on my phone, but I'm not going to let you watch this on a phone. And I was like, <laughs> but, <laughs> but wait, no, <laughs> don't dangle that in front of me and snatch it away. <laughs> and, and he was like, no, no, it's supposed to be like seen on a proper screen. And I was like, I mean, he was right, but at the same time, <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, like, I wouldn't object to seeing it on a phone. If it's a phone or nothing, I'm definitely cool with the phone. Right. I'll yeah. watch it twice. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll put my head right up into that phone and I will. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, um, so, so, yeah, so we've been sitting on this for quite some time and I, for, in particular, as hard. the rest. <laughs> oh my god, so hard. As as the resident uh Belark shipper, especially Ooh. like the fact that I have known since January <laughs> that the first word of this trailer is Clark saying Bellamy, and the first minute is Clark talking to Bellamy has just been like there's been so many times I've had to like stuff my fist in my mouth yeah. to like say something to people it, on Twitter because I'm just like, you guys, you don't even know. <laughs> it, it felt it felt uniquely brutal that it was us and there was so much content for like both of our ships in this trailer know, and we and we couldn't say anything and I was just like and it was like I wonder what's gonna happen with like with Cabby in season five and I'm like don't say anything don't ruin it don't ruin it but yeah but we had we both had a very Lots of things that we have been yelling about with only each other, and we're really excited to get to yell about with everyone else now. So the Clark montage at the beginning is amazing. Like the the oh Clark my God, so Road good. Warrior amazingness. Like both like I like the the sort of juxtaposition of how emotional and and heartfelt and lonely her voices like the her talking into the radio combined with this just like how brutal and desolate the landscapes are as we see her like revisit all of the places that she's been and like sit in their wreckage i was like jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> poor clark yeah, i know it- oh, Okay, I was just going to say, I find it really interesting, like, just a couple of things that that the way that they've cut it together. Clearly, this is cut together from several different calls she makes to Bellamy. And some of it is even yeah. taken, like, lifted right out of the finale. And I find that really interesting, mm-hmm. how they, why they chose to to construct it like that. And I, I also do really, really wonder, that point, two months, when she says, this is the first time I felt alone. Like, why then? Yeah, is it what happened? She's looking out yeah. over the arc, or is it because the radio is dying? Like, what's happening at two months in? And is mm-hmm. this when she meets Maddie? Like, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, and I wonder if it isn't like if that's when she emerges from Becca's lab, and maybe you know, because it's one of those things. I think yeah, one of the things yeah. that I notice, you know, that we have that that shot of you know the 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 wreckage of Polis. And then when she's sitting on the roof of the rover, you know, telling Bellamy, don't feel bad for leaving me behind. You did what you had to do. Um, she's in the wreckage of Arcadia. And I wonder if it's one of those things where, like, you know, she's underground. She's alone in, in a bunker. She can sort of imagine, like, well, maybe somebody, you know, maybe when I come out, it won't be so bad. Or maybe there's somebody else there. Right, and, and perhaps yeah. it's just sort of, like, seeing these places that she's mm-hmm. familiar with that, you know, that she's used to seeing her friends and family populating just completely 
you know, blown to smithereens, you know, every sign of life gone, if that isn't just kind of that moment of like, wow, fuck, I really am alone. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, Which is cool. I'm like, I'm, which is like super cool and makes perfect psychological sense. And I love that we sort of, you know, that, that this is kind of hinting that we're going to get to spend a little bit of time with Clark in, you know, in Mm -hmm. terms of like, the experience of being alone on earth for her, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad for what that hints about the kind of like, um, uh, bits of psychological, um, background and development we're going to get, at least for her, you know, Mm -hmm. it makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I feel like that makes the, the Bellamy phone calls make such perfect psychological sense beginning as I think it's safe to assume from this, that they, that they begin well before Maddie comes into her life where she really truly has nobody. You know, like she yeah. she has like, you know, Maddie, I'm assuming kind of comes into the picture later. But at the beginning, you know, when she like emerges from from the darkness, you know, to see the new world, she has nothing except like, you know, this radio that she doesn't think works and the sort of vague hope that they can hear her. And that's the only tether to human contact. And um, so, yeah, so I'm hoping not just because the landscapes are so amazing and the whole thing is just such a kind of emotional, you know, gut wrench, but also just sort of to give us a picture of um, who she becomes in season five, who she's become in the past six years and why her attachment to Maddie clearly becomes sort of like the defining for shaping her because we see like the magnitude, like the huge vast scope of that isolation. And then there's one other person and that person becomes like your person. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that Eliza said at uh, Walker Stalker when uh, I was there recently, (laughs) you, you may have seen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But she was talking about how Maddie, basically, when she finds her, she she's a quote unquote baby, which I still mm-hmm. don't understand how this time works. I need to know how old Maddie <laughs> is because I, I don't know. Let's say she's like four years old, right? So she meets scared little tiny child. And suddenly, if Clark is like on the verge of giving up here for whatever reason, suddenly she has like a reason to fight, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, suddenly there's yeah. like this life that is is bigger than her, but in a totally different way than what we've seen in the past. And I just, I think that is going to be incredible. And I know, I don't want to jump ahead, but Maddie in this trailer. Oh, it's like yes. amazing. I'm so I love her. her. <laughs> I know. I'm so, I'm already like here for Maddie. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> her. Team like, Maddie. I'm with you, Clark, whatever it takes to, yes. you know, to protect that little girl. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> totally down. Mm. <laughs> um, I think, you know, it's interesting too, because one of the themes about of this show that they you know always come back to that I really like that I find really interesting is sort of thinking about the question of what does it mean to be human and you know like they're kind of like and it's on a couple different sides you know like on a kind of biological side you know like the the side the human species as a species you know so sort of like preserving preserving the human race but then also like what does it mean to be human on a on a like more I don't know like. Yeah, uh, metaphysical or moral or whatever level. What's and so the I think there's something of it all, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think there's something really cool about I think the sort of seeing Clark uh completely alone, cut off from all other human life. Um and that kind of urge that she has to reach out via the radio, the sort of like in that need to at least be able to imagine and kind of at least half convince herself that she's talking to someone. 
um, is really something that's just like so profoundly human. Um, uh, and then also I think that kind of, um, you know, I think it's interesting. We get that little glimpse a little bit later in the um, trailer where we see that she's drawn. We see the drawing of Octavia mm-hmm. on the facing page. I think there's a drawing of Bellamy. Um, so the suggestion is like she's still drawing pictures. You know, we've we've seen some like shots of that of the set in the valley where they're living, and it's very colorful. You know, there's a lot of sort of like decorations and things. And I think that's beautiful. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It really is. And I, it made me think of, we got, we got an ask on the meditation tumbler a long time ago, which I never answered. And I feel kind of bad because, but I've been thinking about it on and off. Um, so if, whoever you are, if you're listening, <laughs> here's your answer. Um, but they were asking, they asked, the question was like, what do we think of the significance of art on the show? And I think mm-hmm. they meant specifically like, you know, the artwork, the, the artworks that we've seen, like Starry Night or whatever. And I didn't really have an, an answer to that, but I started thinking about, with Mount Weather, you know, like Dante is an artist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And no one's basically the inferno. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And 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 you know, Jason said that in our interview, like we've been thinking a lot about the inferno, so everybody go read the inferno. Um, <laughs> but like so Dante was an artist, Clark is an artist. So I was thinking about like art not as like specific artwork, not like artworks as like illusions per se, but more like is there something that interesting that the show is doing in terms of the question of what what humanity or being human means as it connects to art, you know, art as an expression mm-hmm. of, as, as, as an expression that is somehow kind of innately human, like where we have this, yeah. this drive to, to connect, you know, via creation. So, so like Clark drawing her friends is a way of expressing love and connection. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah and, and, I, and same for Lincoln as well, in a yeah, way. Yeah, like, yeah, very much for Lincoln. Connected to people. Well, yeah. I, think, I think that there's yeah. a really, I think particularly when, you know, given, like you said, like what we've seen about um, the sort of, you know, creativity and effort that has gone into making, you know, by the time we come back after six years to making um, their little home in, in Shallow Valley feel like, you know, a, a place that they would want to live, a place that feels like home. You know, I think there's a really compelling argument to be made here that about sort of the power of creativity as the opposite of despair, you know, of, of making things as a way to, um, to feel not even just like, not just that, that, the drawings are a way for her to be connected to the person that she is drawing, but that the act of creating something is sort of in itself a way to kind of dispel that feeling of, of meaninglessness and powerlessness, you know? So I, I wonder if the drawing, I, and I mean, we'll, we'll see, we'll see when we get there, but I, I kind of wonder if that's something that doesn't come back into her life until she finds Maddie, until she sort of, has something to live for yeah. and it kind of pulls yeah. out of the, you know, yeah. that, that sense of despair and, and then begins to sort of find the pieces of herself again and, you know, and being able to tap back into something that is a huge part of her. You know, it's the first thing that we see her doing and the first shot of Clark in the pilot, what she's doing is drawing things that she imagines, but can't see, you know, it's like core yeah. to how she processes things emotionally. And, um, 
And there's been like kind of handfuls of moments throughout the show where we've seen her go back to art as something that, you know, that really defines her. But I think just in the way that, you know, in the way that they're used here and like who we see the drawings of in the fact that they're clearly, um, you know, that what they become, it seems like is, is a foundation of how she sort of keeps these people alive for herself and for Maddie through these stories. But there's something that I just think like the, just like, like, you know, as an artist too, like the act of making things is sort of fundamentally a way to, um, to kind of feel less lonely and more kind of grounded in yourself. And often that sort of creative impulse, like when you're depressed or when you're isolated is kind of like the first thing to go. And so the fact that, that at such an early point in this story that has like returned full force for Clark, I think is a really beautiful way to kind of shorthand the, a lot of emotional healing that she's been through. Yeah. And I, I like I love that too. And, and, and that's one of the things that I've always felt like brought so much more depth to Clark was that if you were to like describe Clark Griffin based on like any random episode, you would not think of her as someone who was an artist, right? Because you were like, Oh, she's a reader. Oh, she makes hard decisions, blah, blah, blah. But like the fact that she has always had this connection to art and that it comes and goes depending on how, open her heart is, you know, I think says so much about who she, like the whole thing of the show, like who you are versus who you have to be to survive, blah, blah, blah. You know, like it's <laughs> kind of like key to yes. that. Like in, in situations when Clark isn't immediately having to kill a bunch of people or save a bunch of people, this is who she could be. And that part of her goes away whenever like, you know, things get tough for her. And I really love whenever we've seen it resurface, it has had something to do with her opening like a little piece of her heart. And this clearly a huge piece of her heart because there's a lot of drawings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I mean, it's and, and and there's something also about the way that art makes it possible for her to share those stories and people and memories with Maddie, yeah. you know, in a way that is that is not yeah and that's very important oriented too. towards yeah for sure but it's also that's not oriented towards sadness you mm. know what i mean like or at least like from what we can tell it, it, you know if there's any kind of like overlap between what's happening in the season and that sort of conceit of the sizzle reel from sdcc yeah um yeah. that was maddie kind of like telling the story of the show as a as like a fairy tale that Clark had told her, you know, if Clark has been sort of telling her these stories about her friends, it was also, you know, so there's something there about the power of art and of storytelling to kind of to transform, you know, your experiences and to kind of commemorate them in a new way. Because there's like tremendous amount of suffering and pain, of course, in all of these memories for Clark. And the fact that she's been able to turn them into something that that brings joy, you know, and conveys love and all that kind of stuff is like, that's really powerful. And, and, and it's, I think that's like a little thing that is so often gets lost about this show, because like you said, you know, Selena, like, it's just like, go, 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 you know, like any given episode, Clark has to make 14 (laughs) hard decisions. Yeah. But like, you know, that, that heart is always there. And so I'm, I'm happy that we get to see a little glimpse of that, you know? And I think the thing that's cool about, you know, the, the few little glimpses of, of the journal and of the drawings that we got, you know, in, in the, in the trailer, what I think is interesting is how, just just those little snippets, it seems to point to like 
a desire on Clark's part through drawing and through these stories she tells Maddie to keep like, like hold on to as much as you can remember, you know, like, like it is, it makes total logical sense. Like we would expect to see pictures in there of Bellamy and Octavia, but then, you know, she turns, well, and we're skipping ahead now, but she turns the page and then there's two drawings that seem to be like, like maybe like places that she's been or like oh, or so my friend my friend Brittany uh zoomed in on them. oh great okay. Octavia the one, one of them yes one of them the one on the left is Octavia at the conclave and die all die merrily yeah. okay cool um, the other one is like one Clark on the, at the tower right yes the other one is Clark watching the rocket take off uh, yeah. uh, yeah. oh okay and then the other one which um which I did not catch because it's just sort of a drive by in the background but of course the cabbie fandom caught it is in the <laughs> yeah, scene the scene at the end where Charmaine is uh talking to Kane and she rips up the Octavia drawing Kane's looking at a picture on the wall of himself which I, I thought was really which is, which is really emotional because, you know, like, like not that Clark and Kane don't have a relationship because of course they do. But, but to me, that little window into like everyone's important, everyone that she lost is important. There's probably drawings in there of like, you know, the delinquents who died in season one and of Mount, like every, everything that she's lost, every person who is underground or in space or whose name is carved onto her gun belt, like they're all lost to her. <laughs> in some way in this moment and just trying to like keep them all alive. So I'm just really interested that, in like what else sorry. is in that journal. Hmm? I think that on the ceiling, there's a big mural of just Riley. <laughs> <laughs> just like camera, just pan up and yeah. there he is. Yeah. Every in night Riley. Maddie goes to bed and she looks up and she says, good night, Riley. <laughs> <laughs> Clark tells Maddie that Riley is her guardian yes, angel. Looking down on her <laughs> from above. Had <laughs> <laughs> canon accepted. <laughs> if there is a drawing of Riley in that book, we will know that it I is. I would the, love it. We will know that it is them having fun with us. Like, <laughs> that would, oh that my would God. Like yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one final that, be- that I did want to say before we move on from the Clark stuff was, and this kind of like, because you said earlier, Aaron, that uh, you, being a blog shipper as you are, like, it was hard for you to to sit on the him, her saying um, Bellamy at the start of the trailer. But one thing that I was thinking, not you know, because I'm I don't ship them, but I have a lot I have a lot of blog friend shippers. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> There's a lot of people. I know what you mean. Uh, yeah. I know what you mean. Anyway, yes. Um, so when that moment, I just want to say dot, 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 dot. I was holding my breath and I find I would love to hear your thoughts on what you think, what you thought she was going to say, what you think it means that they held that moment for so damn long. Like, what's going on? Well, as you can imagine. <laughs> When I was when I was in Jason Rothenberg's hotel room, yes, with Claire and his assistant, yeah, looking at his laptop, watching it for the first time, that was <laughs> definitely the that was definitely the hardest moment for me not to literally go right, right. Oh my god! You know, uh, <laughs> I managed to keep my I managed to keep my cool the whole time. I have a very good poker face. <laughs> Um, but inside I was definitely going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, she's going to say Of course she didn't. Of course she didn't. I mean, like, I didn't actually literally think she was going to say that. But like, you know, right, your mind, right, your right, mind right. is there. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think, I mean, I think, I think two things. One, I think that the kind of, I just want to say, and then the long sort of pause, I, I feel like it's a, it feels to me a little bit like uh, a kind of small callback to the moment from last season when Bellamy was like, you know, if we never see each other again, I just want to say, and she's like, you know, she like didn't let it happen. Um, and, uh, so I think that's like part of the reason why that pause and hold felt so like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, this is like a big, you know, this is going to be like a big sort of feelings confession thing and not just like, hey, PS, don't beat yourself up over this, um, was because of that kind of slight parallel. Um, I mean, like, you know, as a, as a blurred <laughs> shipper, this will, this will, this is like, this is the portion where I, I, here's the Blark version of this trailer. Cause I think it's really interesting. Um, you know, like this is not, if you were not, uh, you know, like active in the fandom or you don't ship Blark, you don't like talk to a lot of people who ship Blark, you're not sort of like primed like that to be thinking about any, you know, things that you see from the show in that way. This is the kind of trailer that could easily kind of fly under the radar, you know, because like there's no, they don't hug. Right. There's a whole hug sequence. Right. They don't hug. There's actually, all the shippers would be like really mad, but people are really happy, which is good. Yeah. I was, I was worried about that too, actually. Like for the two months I was, I was kind of rehearsing in my head, like, okay, here's what I'm going to say to like make people feel better about this. Um, and I think honestly, to me, like the biggest thing is just the fact that, you know, we kind of. The fact that the first part is Clark talking to Bellamy, you know, and that like kind of before anything else, we get Clark, you know, talking to Bellamy about this decision that he made to leave her behind. So it's kind of like framing, you know, Clark going into season six, even though it's been six years, everything that's happening for her on the ground is in some way kind of like uh, happening through the lens of, of her relationship to Bellamy or she's thinking about him. She's sort of thinking about like, that relationship and that you know like if you're a shipper that's huge um and um and then on the other side this is jumping ahead a little bit but you know but then on on Bellamy's side we get first of all we get that sort of cross cut where she starts talking about like by the now you know you've set up the algae and we get the first shot we get is Bellamy looking mournfully out of a window (laughs) implying obviously that he's thinking about Mm -hmm. like who knows what he's actually thinking about but like that's that's the implication um and then he says that line he says about uh you know Clark didn't die so we could live just so we can make the same mistakes again um you know, so the fact that, that it's kind of mutual, so that everything that's been happening with Bellamy on the ring, whatever else has gone on up there, and obviously he believes that she's dead, um, but whatever else has gone on, he's sort of like constantly thinking about himself in terms of basically like, what would Clark do? What will Clark say? You know, so sort of they're, they're both very much alive for each other in a kind of really, in a way that's still really emotionally important to them as people, even though they he thinks she is dead and she doesn't know if he's alive. Um, so yeah, so I think that's why, like, from, from that standpoint, it's enough to make shippers happy. But that said, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, you know, Jason said it a million times, like, Jason's up front, like, this is, they're, they're a really important, like, a key relationship in the show, kind of like the three most important relationships in the show are them and, uh, Clark and Abby and, um... Octavia. Uh, Bellamy and Octavia. Yeah. And so, 
so, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, that's really cool and it makes me really happy. But for me, it's as much because like, you know, as a shipper, like the thing that I really, that's really important to me that I, the thing that I ship is the dynamic that they yeah. have, you know, and that kind of like intimacy that they have, um, regardless of whether or not it ever becomes romantic. Right. And it is know. such a good um, dynamic, like whatever else, like, yeah. oh my God. Exactly. Exactly. Like, it's so good. And so, so the fact that they, they remain so present and the fact that this trailer suggests that, you know, whatever was or wasn't in the trailer, whatever else happens, you know, that, that relationship and sort of like where, what happened in those years, how are they gonna, you know, how they're gonna work out what they mean to each other now that they're both like, oh my God, you're still right. Um, you know, that that's, that's going to be a still an active part of the story and that makes me happy. And so it's kind of like, obviously I would be thrilled, <laughs> but if they don't, you know, like <laughs> if they don't, we still, that, that, that sort of dynamic, that relationship is still at the heart of things. And so, well, and I think the thing that I'm really interested in too, and in, in the way that, and this is a good, I think transition because the, um, I mean, the, the, the next thing that happens, I think after the Clark montage is we go back up to, oh, we got to do the Valley too, I think. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so yeah. Um, yeah. I'm should clicking through my screen caps, but, um, but one thing that I think, <laughs> um, one thing that I think is really fascinating that I'm super excited to see in season five because of, of what you just said of how, you know, how very present they are to each other in this absence. It's like, you know, they're, they're present to each other in this kind of almost, I don't want to say mythic, but like, like the, the best well, version yeah, of them that exists no, in there right. in your head, you know? So, so Bellamy yeah. is speaking, or so Clark is sort of speaking to, to this imagined Bellamy who keeps her company, yeah. who she sort of goes to mentally when she feels lonely or isolated or needs to process what's happening to her. And Bellamy is guided as a leader on the arc by this kind of imagined Clark who is telling him how to be the kind of person that he wants to be. And then they're going to meet each other after six years, after like 10 times longer than they were actually together. And it's extremely possible that they won't recognize each other as that mythic version that existed in their head. And so where the tension comes between like, you know, you're, you're the real person that I was missing. So you know, so you are obviously superior on every level to the version that just existed in my head because now you're alive and you're real and I can talk to you. But also, like, you're making choices or you're doing things or you're acting in a way or you have done things over the past six years that have entirely transformed you from the version of you that kept me going for six years when I was totally alone mm-hmm. and, like, bereft. And that, I think, that which which is why I think like, you know, like shipper hearts aside kind of across the board, like I'm thrilled that they spoiled no reunions, you know, because, oh, yeah, because that's sure. the sure. stuff that like, yeah. you know, we, we need to like be able to experience those things in the moment with all of that fallout and all of that mess and all that complication. And that like, who is the version of you that you've become based on the things that have happened to you, you know? So that, that juxtaposition between the sort of imaginary Clark and Bellamy and then the real six years later ones, I'm so excited to see. Yeah, I was just going to say, and I'm not going to, like, I was almost going to say the exact same thing you did. So I'm not going to like, just say what you just said. But, <laughs> but it's literally, it is one of the things that I'm most excited about in season five. And I'm actually working on an article about it right now, about this, the difference between the myths, like the stories we tell ourselves about people versus the actual people. And that goes for, and that Mm -hmm. has gone for the whole show, but in season five, I think that theme is going to come to the forefront 
in a major way. Yeah. Like the, the, yeah. I think it's going to be like turned up to 11 right. for everyone. Right. Clark and Bellamy are perhaps, I mean, that's going to be true of Octavia and Bellamy, of Clark. Of Maddie and, and exactly. everyone. Like, there's um, like these stories that we tell ourselves to make something or a version of, of truth, like a version of reality into accepted truth versus the messy complicated actual reality and the clashes of that also in terms of just like one crew itself it's like one crew is not a thing but octavia is trying to force it to be a thing Mm -hmm. so yeah real in people's minds and like the thing that the level she's willing to go to to make it quote-unquote real like it's just it's ah it's it's really really going to be interesting and i think like you said one of you said the power of of storytelling on this show is really important and i think we're going to see that moving forward that 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 is a way to remind the audience in one of a million different ways that like there is never just one version of truth, you know, and everything yeah. can be manipulated. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, exactly. Yeah. And it, it's really exciting to kind of watch, you know, characters who have in one way or another perhaps been idealizing each right. other, in yeah. lives, mm-hmm. you know, in their memories, um, sort of have to meet each other again. And, and yeah. <laughs> Perhaps we unplug. Yeah, like what happens right. when, when Maddie starts meeting people and realizing that they aren't what she thought, you know, like. They aren't yeah. superheroes, you know, they aren't gods. They aren't these, you know, like, yeah, it's like what happens when you mm-hmm. meet your heroes, you know, it's. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I just automatically, my mind goes to uh, Troy from Community <laughs> sitting in the bathroom going, you can't disappoint a picture. You can't disappoint a picture. <laughs> Uh, well that's actually that's a good transition because i think maddie is the next maddie and the valley are the next big chunk of the trailer well there's there's a little there's a little algae moment yeah. in the in the clark thing which is, which is adorable. <laughs> that's very funny but um, do you guys think sorry before, okay can we can we huh okay, <laughs> sorry i was just gonna ask you guys what you think it means if it means anything at all that when we hear clark's voice in space it sounds like it's actually scrambled through a feed like do you think that's just an effect do you think it indicates Ooh. that someone's listening to her even if it's not bellamy um I some that, now i'm like so somebody um, i think it was hawthorne whisperer after the finale um suggested and which i had not thought of but which is totally borne out by the fact that um by what we see when we see their the ship in space that potentially um the Eligius mining ship picked up either not necessarily right. her messages, yeah. but picked up like a frequency mm-hmm. and followed that. And that's how they find, cause you can see in the, in the shot where Murphy's looking at the window and sees the, um, the legit ship, they're hovering right over the green spot, which I didn't notice until like the fourth time I watched it last night. And I was like, Oh shit. They're like, they're right there. You know? <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, so what I wonder is if at some point we will see, um, anyone on the Eligius ship while they are in space hearing Clark's messages like at all or in part yes, and yeah and that either guides them yeah. to the arc or to you know or how they find her or whatever um but I I I think you know if anyone you know on what? the I, arc here I think that's go ahead mm-hmm. go on no oh, I it- finished what you were saying yeah. <laughs> um this is gonna be fun because we're not editing this so it's just gonna be full of interruptions um <laughs> <laughs> so I mean I, I we're think we're also excited. <laughs> we are. I mean I mean I exactly. think the fact that um that you know six years flash forward B 
bearded Bellamy saying Clark didn't die so we can make the same mistake seems to pretty significantly negate the idea that um, anyone on the Ark heard her. And and because she's talking to... Yeah, but that could just be... That could just be because the arc's communication system. Right. Yeah. yeah. But and, and the bunkers yeah. also are not. And well, and she's talking about me. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, yeah. And so I think if what? anyone hears her, it's religious, I think. And you know what I think that is, is because, and this might be like totally over, over, but there's no such thing as over analyzes. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> That's why <what> I'm not <laughs> When Charmaine, like when, when they step out onto the ground, I think that she looks like alert. Like, she, they don't look, like, happy, like, yay, we found this place for ourselves. She's like, okay, where's my enemy? Yeah. So I think she must know yeah, already yeah. that Clark is there. Yeah. Maybe. Right. It would be cool if she right. did. Like, they land, they land, well, and it's, I mean, you know, is it a coincidence that they land right where, mm-hmm. like, exactly where Clark basically was sitting? Right. The radio That's what like, happened. Yeah. He might have been with- trying. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, that seems... That seems likely. Um, the other thing I was going to, before we move on completely from the Clark montage, so we get a few, um, we see Clark at the seaside, which is interesting. Um, I wonder if she, like, tried to go back to the the flu crew. Well, uh, Becca's Island, uh, she might just be leaving. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's true. She might be leaving Becca's Island. I also wonder, okay, so there's that, there's that shot, or a series of shots in um, the Clark a uh, montage where we see someone with a hood and a mask on walking through the desert. And that was one moment mm-hmm. where I was like, okay, like the editing is suggesting that right. this is Clark, but it's not necessarily. Yeah. We don't a hundred percent know. That. So yeah. 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 That's true. Uh, I mean, I think it might be just because of that promotional picture of her with that mask, but again, they could be a big mislead. Yeah. And it's actually Monty. Yeah, I mean, if <laughs> or or the new guy from the end of the season, yeah, oh, yeah. He's wandering there across he the desert. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> Sorry, it took so long. <laughs> I think it probably is Clark, but that was just one of those moments where I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think uh, it's. Her- I, I don't know. know. I- but she has the rover. The other thing too that makes me wonder, you know, that that makes it sort of jump out to me is not necessarily quite fitting with the rest of the kind uh, of like yeah, Clark yeah. walkabout footage. Is that the rest of it? Clark is True. in the rover, you know. So I'm like, why would she be like walking across the desert with a walking stick when she when the rover, you know, seems to be working? Right. Let fine. me. I'm Maybe gonna, she ran out of fuel. Let's see. It's yeah. Okay. It's I <laughs> Maybe it was cloudy <laughs> that day. I'm like. <laughs> I'm scrolling back up for those screen caps maybe, just to see. Let's see. Um, maybe she's like, I've been sitting too much. She's <laughs> wearing something that could be a Fitbit, so. <laughs> there you go. I also love that somehow she has picked up Jaha's stick. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was thinking yeah, that. Yeah, I know. That is definitely the Jaha stick. My. My husband loved Jaha. Like, so my husband watched through season one and two. <laughs> Um, and his favorite pairing on the show was Jaha and his stick, so he'll be very <laughs> OTP Jaha and stick. Um, so yeah, so I'm looking. I I'm looking at the screen caps now. Of yeah, there isn't one where you see a face at all. It looks definitely looks like a woman's frame. Yeah, there's like big messy backpack yeah. and like pouches and stuff. So it could be. Um, 
it could be that she's someplace where like um the rover doesn't go because like, she is like she's so alone that it seems hard uh, yeah. to yeah. picture who else it could potentially be although you know i would be really interested if this turned out to be a misdirect i think that would be really neat um right and there's a whole like timeline yeah. thing particular like and we'll get into that but like potentially of what happens like after religious invade uh eden how do clark and maddie escape mm-hmm. do they both escape at the yeah. same time you know when do they reunite or in the does, desert like, mm-hmm. like maddie right? yeah 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 does maddie get away mm-hmm. well like does clark sort of like give herself up to give chan- uh, maddie a chance to mm-hmm. you know run away or, i don't know yeah. i don't know mm-hmm. yes um so maddie is the next big piece of the trailer maddie and the um yes. uh and the valley um when she so she hops out of the out of the rover all peppy and adorable and i am just completely in love with this little child um i know i am the, um and this is this is all stuff that has not changed since we saw it like all the maddie stuff i remember like being that time but i love um you know, that little moment of them by the fire where Maddie says, you know, I'm sorry they left you behind. And Clark says, you know, I'm not because if I was with them, I wouldn't have met you. And she and she seems so genuinely to mean that, that it's like really, um, you know, it's such, oh, a, yeah. it's such a sweet and and kind of empathetic thing for us to hear a child say. You know, Maddie is hearing these stories and she's processing them through the lens of like, you know, wouldn't wouldn't Clark rather be with these other people that she loves so much who seems so amazing to Maddie and Clark being able to say like in, in complete sincerity, like I am happy with the life that we have right now, you know, like it is not the life that I pictured, yeah. but like in this moment right now with you, you're my family and I am content. I just think that's a really powerful little look into the depth of their relationship in such a tiny little you know, window of time just to see like, she's so incredibly emotionally sincere in that moment. She's not just like reassuring a kid. She's like, no, like this, like you, you are worth it to me, you know? And I think that's beautiful. And it's, and it's powerful too, because we know they lose it. You know, Mm -hmm. every little glimpse we get of their, like their happy home is, you know, makes it when it gets destroyed by religious that much more terrifying. I mean, and they, yeah, they have this whole world, you know, they are this, each other's whole world, this tiny little patch of green and, you know, and that gets shattered so fast. And I also think it's like, it's, it was so touching and beautiful to see because Clark in season four, you know, was like very much, you know, sort of trying at least to shut, shut herself away from her yeah. own heart. You know, she was trying so hard not to think not to feel so much for individuals, you know, she's trying so hard to sort of detach and be that kind of like big picture, top down, best for my people leader. And so getting to see Clark in this moment, just like with, you know, once again, wearing that huge heart that we know that she has on her sleeve, which she hasn't really been able to do since season one, you know, because she's just gotten, hurt so many times it was it's you know simultaneously like such a wonderful thing to see yeah you know like when was the last time (laughs) clark really smiled um but then also as a as a kind of like another little shorthand of like this is how far clark has come in six years you know like this is this is how different a clark she is here than she was when we left Mm -hmm. her um 
So, uh, which is really interesting, you know, kind of given um, the head versus heart speech that she gave to Bellamy at the end of season four and the kind of like hints, I think, that Jason is given that, um, you know, Bellamy is kind of much more, he's taking that to heart. He's much more of a kind of like he's thinking with his head a little bit more and Clark is maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Heart. You know, we kind of get a little bit of like glimpse of that here. Yeah. I feel like it's a, it's an interesting sort of way in which we're seeing like the reversals, I think, and we can talk about this where we get to Kane and Abby too, but like the season one reversals in some of these characters, I think are really interesting. Like I think that we're seeing, you know, a version of Bellamy as a leader who is really intentionally trying to make the kind of, um, of choices that he sees Clark make. And this version of Clark very much seems to have a lot in common with Bellamy, with early Bellamy when Octavia is the entirety of his world, you know? And, um, mm-hmm. and so I feel like those, I think there's some really interesting um, flips and inversions happening here with characters that we sort of, have come to understand in these in these balanced opposite pairings kind of over the course of time because of things that have happened to them, switching places, but in some ways kind of soft rebooting to the dynamic that they had in in the first season, but completely switched. You know, those the same way that Bellamy and Clark were at odds when Clark wanted something that Bellamy thought was going to put Octavia in harm's way. Like we're going to see the exact same thing again, but reverse, which I think is fascinating. Yeah, which brings us, which brings us to Bellamy on the Ark and everybody on the Ark watching the ship. (laughs) The music changes. It's amazing. It's my favorite. Oh my god, I know when that music changed. I was like, the music is so good in this trailer. Like my, I oh, it is. Adams scored. We should ask him. Yeah, if he he, scored, like he did specifically. Yeah, Yeah, he he, did. Okay, I I think he. Well, did he for for this specific specifically for the trailer, or is this just like from the? I well, I don't know. Feel I would love to think. I don't know. He he scored the trailer because it's so like evocative of of those particular trailer. Yeah. It, yeah. It really but it, but it also but but yeah. Jason did say you know I think because the trailer got pushed so far, um, all thirteen episodes had gone through post, so they also would have had all the music. So it's possible. Yeah. Um, it's possible that that it, yeah. that Tree edited something from the stuff that he had already done, um, because everything. I hope so. Because I hope that either way that he has yeah. outdone himself. You know the dun, dun, yeah. dun, 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 oh dun, like metal kind of. Yes. Oh my god, that like heavy. Oh my god, ship! I was just like, I. Oh my god, I love that everything in that moment was so perfect. Yeah, music was amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so, so I think it's interesting. So we get the we get the shot of Murphy and the group kind of looking out of the window at the ship, which they can kind of see across space from them. And uh, uh, Murphy wants to like you know turn on the lights basically and say like, "Hey, come get us." And Bellamy, you know, Bellamy, who is who has learned not to be so rashly sort of impulsive as he perhaps has been in the past, says, um, uh, maybe we should uh-huh. wait. Um, that's sh- that shot also is one of the very few that we have of Harper. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a good sign. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know, me too. <sighs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. So I think um, there has been... Well, do we want to talk about what's happening on the ring yet? Or do we want to jump and talk uh, about uh, the awesomeness? Of let's talk about let's talk about Eligius because the, the little slice <laughs> yes. of arc that we get okay. there is mostly about them. And then it cuts down to them landing, That's Clark true. watching them land with her gun, Charmaine strutting out and being awesome. So, so... Oh, I'm so excited for religious. So I think oh, I'm so excited. So one of the things that I really <laughs> love that was one of the details when we first watched the trailer that just stuck with me because it felt like because I was so excited about what it meant for the story ground that opens up is that the group on the ark immediately clocks that there's a real chance that this ship could be trouble. You know, and and so what they do yeah. from there, like the fact that they shut the lights down, which is so which is just like so so smart and such a like Raven and Bellamy thing to do, you know. Um I I felt like, you know, the questions that that brings up about, you know, like what do they do? How do they go about the process of figuring out and like who are these people? What do they want? Um it it definitely you know, it's a it's a really fantastic like this is the inciting incident that kicks off a crazy story. You know, the ship is appearing out of nowhere. What do they yeah. want? And it's just one of those like, you know, the, the one thing that I across the board that I really loved about this trailer, and that was one of the other great ones, was how much it really leaned into hard sci-fi, you know. Um, and so oh, like yeah. enemy mm-hmm. spaceship, I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, even though we knew who they were going to be because we saw them land, you know, in the in the finale, um, the just the the little kind of like, you know, shiver of foreboding that you could feel everyone on the arc having, looking out at the ship, just kind of hovering there over the one green space. That's where they know that they are headed later. I was just like, oh man, this is good check. Well, enemy enemy spaceship, but also just this really paradoxically superior technology that they seem to have because these are like people from the past, but their technology is so futuristic because of what's happened to the world and everyone else. So that is going to be, again, leaning more Mm -hmm. into the sci-fi is going to be fantastic. Well, and, and the, and the almost in a way that almost feels like, um, like time travel, right? Like what's the version of the world that these people are going to be expecting to come home to, you know? And, and then their, you know, their ship is like hovering over the earth and all of it is like burned up except for, you know, Virginia or whatever, <laughs> like the little, <laughs> the little patch of green that's conveniently <laughs> located in the northeastern United States. But, um, you know, but I think it's really, uh, I think of that every day. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is <laughs> like, so convenient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, well, yeah. I guess. R.I.P. Everyone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. But I think. Um. I'm just really uh, part of, I mean, I'm excited about everything that has to do with anything related to Eligius at all, but I'm really intrigued by um, the, the possibility that, you know, the, first of all, that just from what we see in the trailer, that they don't all think in lockstep about everything. You know, we get moments of discord between Charmaine and Zeke. We get a little bit of um, not necessarily discord, but, but, a clear, strong sense of different personalities between Charmaine and McCreary. Um, so I'm really interested in the idea of what we get to know of the prisoners when they land and of what their different reactions are 
to the fact that everything, like every single piece of the earth, uh, the world they left behind that they recognized has been totally obliterated. You know, like right. that they and they were, you know, they were in space for hundreds of years, but only conscious for some small part of that serving out their prison sentence or, or whatever it was, you know, so they don't feel like they've been gone for 200 years. Like that's not like emotionally, that's not how it feels to them. Um so, yeah, so I'm just really, I'm just fascinated by, like, all of the kind of, like, fucked up psychological <laughs> impacts of that and and how, <laughs> you know, how that makes it feel really logical and believable that they would, you know, cling so violently to, like, this is, like, you know, Charmaine says, like, this is the only habitable land left we're going to fight for it. And you're just like, yeah, they have nowhere else to go. They have literally nothing to lose. You know, like, of course they're going to shoot plasma cannons across the landscape or whatever. One line that I was really, uh, that I kind of like skated over a little bit the first few times I watched, but the more I watched, the more it sort of jumped out to me is like opening up some big questions is when Charmaine says you go to war with the army you have, not the army you want. Yeah. Cause it occurred to me, it's like, okay. So that suggests that like, like who is she saying that to? Um, what mm-hmm. army do they have? Like how many people are on that ship when it comes down with them? And what is like, so that, that also implies that there is like another potentially like theoretically well, a different army. Well, that's the that thing that be? I'm really curious about Eligius because, you know, obviously prison transport, we've been told they're prisoners, mm-hmm. but none of these people, at least not the people we meet here act like prisoners, you know, like Charmaine does not act like a prisoner, even though she does have that terrifying scar on her neck that suggests like mm-hmm. some kind of imprisonment maybe. But I mean, she's talking about fighting a war the minute she lands. Echo says, this is an army. They have all that technology that does not look like it's designed for digging. You know, it looks like it's designed for fighting. And so if they were going to this like planet, like supposedly to mine, why are they soldiers? Why is there a bunch of soldiers there? Like, what is their real agenda? Why, why do they land on the ground and are ready to be, to go to war with an army at all? Like, it's something, some piece yeah. of the puzzle. Eligius Mining Company feels, yeah, Eligius Mining, quote-unquote, mining company feels like a more, Like a ruse like for something, yeah. A cover yeah. for oh. something. Yeah. Oh, I wonder. And so, like, if they were out on a some other kind of mission, like like you said, like, they don't have, they have a lot of damn, you know, right. military it's very convenient. <laughs> for, <laughs> and, like, yeah. body armor and all these, they are outfitted like an army. So, you know, so so maybe the mining thing was a cover for some other kind of uh, either either going out somewhere to try to conquer another planet or like, were they just were they put in cryo sleep to come back to conquer right. Earth, you know, at some point in the future? Yeah, right. I don't know. Um, Is this like saving and, an army for post-apocalyptic and, and, Earth? Like what? Like. Well, future yeah. and and even and even if yeah. you know even if the mining company is you know exactly what it seems to be which is that they're you know they're prisoner convicts that are being sent to you know to mm. mine asteroids what well, yeah what what i'm interested in is like if the characters that we've met the ones that have the body armor that have the weapons you know charmaine and mccreary and and zeke who she refers to as lieutenant um mm-hmm. if they're the guards 
And her, like, the army you have, not the army you want, is basically because she's like, all right, I've got this sort of ragtag group of asshole prisoners who, like, you know, we have to keep in line. Then then what's interesting to me, then, is what that potentially foreshadows about, like, you know, like, now that they're on Earth and they're not trapped in space or on an asteroid with her, like how much harder is Charmaine's job going to be to keep these people in line? You know, like mm-hmm. if she, if she is, um, I mean, she definitely seems like a person who has like military experience, you know, like she's, um, she's the, uh, my, my sort of read on her is that she is probably not a prisoner and is a person who was like sent along to like, you know, like she's like the head yeah. prison guard and McCreary is her, you know, is her muscle. Um, and uh, so I, so I'm interested in just the little places where we see just from the little snippets in the trailer, where among this group of you know the, that sort of are presented to us as all uniformly kind of potential enemies, um, where do those fracture lines divide, and is it because you know, and again, it's sort of a season one kind of, you know, flip parallel. They're like, all right, we're on the ground. We're like off this ship. We're going to just kind of like go off in the woods and do whatever. We don't really want to, we don't feel any obligation to follow you. Like you're not the boss of us anymore. Um, You know, whatever, whatever prison sentence they were under has been, you know, I feel like invalidated by the fact that there's no planet. So like, who's going to, you know, like what judicial proceedings are going to like punish you for breaking the terms of your parole or whatever. Um, so yeah, so I'm just really interested in, um, their like internal group dynamic and the fact that Charmaine seems to not, Charmaine seems to be indicating that they don't behave like, a solid disciplined army unit and she's going to have to kind of whip them into shape. So then that immediately makes me be like, okay, so is her like, is part of her journey going to be like, how does she um, keep her people sort of like, you know, in line on one side when Octavia, the sort of presumably like opposing force has, has figured out how to, you know, scare her people into, you know, into line. So I'm interested in just sort of the like Charmaine versus Octavia, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what? Another possibility that I, you know, for, um, uh, would be that what if Mm -hmm. it was a mutiny? in space so she wasn't you know they were prisoners she was a prisoner whatever her crime was you know mccreary was a a mafia enforcer so he is a criminal you know it's it's entirely possible that he's uh that he was a prisoner and she led a mutiny against the guards um and so that's why she's Mm. in charge now and also why she you know that might which might you know also cause some trouble uh, like the same kinds of things about keeping people in line when they get to Earth is still applies. But it occurred to me, so there's that shot later on we see of Bellamy um, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fighting some yes. guys on the Elegius ship, you know? And so, so like it's the, the sort of, from what we've seen in the trailer so far, it sort of sets you up to believe that they're fighting, it's like the same people as, um, mm-hmm. as Charmaine's people. But I mean, what if those are the guards? And they left And them they think that like Bellamy, yeah, like they left them there. They wake or they they were like in cryosleep mm. or whatever, and they wake them up, 
And the guard, and they assume that like Bellamy and those guys are, you know, some of the mutiny interesting. Mm. Like mm-hmm. so, yeah, I like that. I I uh, definitely I had really big questions <laughs> about, um, and we yeah we can get to that more when we when we get to that scene. But the um, the cryosleep bodies in space versus like some somebody on that ship is awake but they have to be like newly awake because if they were like awake for you know 97 years they would be old and ancient <laughs> so so what what <laughs> pinged some alarm somewhere on the ship that pulled somebody out of cryo sleep and was that like picking up Clark's radio transmission you know right is is well, it has to wakes be either up. Clark, oh, yeah. yeah, or or Allie. You know, like yeah. I feel like that's or, yeah. two theories: is Allie yeah, on the ark yeah, or yeah. Clark on the ground? Yes, yeah, I think you're right, and it could be it mm-hmm. could be Allie on the ark. Um, you know, because we know that there is well, like the mm-hmm. people from space are nightbloods. Um, you know, so we know that there's a connection, you know, between Becca and um, the Allie tech. And Eligius. So it's totally possible, like, if the programming, you know, if there's, like, some alley programming on the ring that, or even if it was being transmitted from the ground, you know, um, that it reached them and sort of, like, woke things. Either way, I hope we get to see it. I hope we get that flashback scene. Me too. Mm -hmm. Or another possibility. There's something in the bunker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that set off, Mm -hmm. like, a homing beacon in the bunker. Uh, because the book yeah, and and we Cadigan. and Cadigan like and Becca's logo and Cadigan's like Becca's corporate logo on the microscopes and Cadigan's second dawn symbol are like the same kind of triangle thing. And it only we know- took us one hour to get here. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the bunker would be cool just because the way it's edited here makes it like. Leaves the bunker sort of entirely divorced from the Elegia storyline until we sort of get towards, you know, the sort of what looks like the Octavia versus Charmaine's, you know, kind of battle. So I kind of like the idea. And we do know that there are a bunch of huge misdirects in the trailer. Like Jason basically said, like, we edited things into complete lies, you know. So so we have to sort of take all of these interpretations with a grain of salt. But, um, but yeah, but so I, I like the idea that something, um, you know, something, some signal coming from Earth, I feel like it has to ping something happening on the ship. And what I think would be badass as hell would be if when they go over there, when the, because this is, I'm on my screen cap saying this is the next thing that happens is we see the little pod taken off. So if they zip over to the ship to like see what's going on and everyone's asleep in cryopods and then while they're there in the room something happens and somebody like wakes up and they have to fight him i think that would be so cool like if they're all like in a like in a room full of like sleeping (laughs) cryopods and then like one of them behind bellamy like slowly opens up wouldn't that be the coolest thing in the world yes Oh my god! I'm no, so I know. Me too. Yeah, but I'm. But everything that happens on the Elegia ship, I am just like pumped as hell. Um. So yeah. So that's the next. So the next thing we get, we yeah. get the pod taking off and landing in the docking bay, which I was totally confused well, by because I was like, have- we did. Oh, wait, no, we have to. We we skipped a little bit because we also have Matt 
Oh, yeah, Madison Clark. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Um, um, I was going to ask about that actually, uh, because Clark tells Maddie, "This is our home, your home," and we see Maddie sort of look at her there, and I wonder because I don't know, obviously, what Maddie's story is going to be yet. I'm very <laughs> intrigued that she has one. You know, I'm very intrigued. Mm-hmm. She is basically she is being introduced. Yeah potentially could have been like in the capacity of a, of a love interest, like a different kind of love, but still like a love interest for an existing character. Right. Um, but the way that they're setting her up to clearly have a big story that involves several different characters and that involves Maddie having a will of her own. is really, really interesting to me. And I'm, I'm looking at her in this moment and I'm wondering if this is when, Maddie kind of decides that that these are the bad guys, you know, that these are the mm-hmm. – she's like, this is our home, your home. And Maddie goes, and they want to take it from us. And it looks like this is when she's like – and, you know, we see that later with Octavia and Octavia being like, you don't have to be afraid anymore. And we see the look on Maddie's face. And I'm just like putting all the pieces together and thinking, hmm, okay. So Maddie's getting a really clear idea here. Here. Mm-hmm. Here. <laughs> Um, of of, of where you know of of the quote-unquote good and bad guys and i find that really curious and interesting Mm. yeah our friend sarah on twitter earlier today had a really intriguing theory that um that maddie um Mm -hmm. she's a night blood so that's how she survived so it seems it seems reasonable to think that um, the valley is where Maddie was from. Like, that's where she was living in the meantime. That's where Clark finds her. Um, Sarah suggested perhaps um, that Maddie, she was, she was a nightblood who must have been like four, five, six years old. Um, perhaps her parents were hiding yeah. her from nightblood scouts. And that's yeah, why sure. she's still there. Um, and that maybe that's sort of like, I know what it's like to be the girl under the floor thing that Octavia says is a reference to the fact that Maddie also being hidden. Ooh, mm-hmm. yeah, Maya, being hidden. Yeah. Yes. Until Clark had not even occurred to me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is her home. Exactly. So Maddie yeah. kind of in a way, like not only is she a nightblood and potentially the only like quote unquote true nightblood of the grounders, but she's also like literally the heir to this land. Like it is her <laughs> land in some way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, right. it is the last grounder. Yeah, she's been right. There. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, so that kind of like, you know, the sort of question of not just like there's only one chunk of resources and there are a bunch of people who want them, but also kind of a question: Can of anyone like, claim it? Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On what basis do you claim it? You know, like in, in terms mm-hmm. of sort of ancestry, whatever. So that's kind of interesting that 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 wrinkle might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, a well, and, and that could also be an interesting sort of place of um, of a, and again, this is, you know, skipping ahead too, but that sort of implication of with the slicing of the palms kind of thing, like some, like this, a connection between Maddie and Octavia that house is kind of like a lot of depth to it where it's not just like you're this person that I know from Clark's stories from this journal, but like you are this person who has this thing in common with me that like sort of only we understand, you know, that is a piece that she shares with Octavia and not with Clark, which is really psychologically interesting. I think. I'm so excited for this. (laughs) Yeah. And could be, I know. And and it could like introduce like a lot of conflict um, for Clark, both in terms of, 
you know, whether whether Clark is feels, you know, like wants Maddie mm-hmm. to potentially take the flame yeah. or if she wants to try to protect her from that, you know. But also just in terms of like like Clark has been Maddie's mm-hmm. whole world and vice versa. And for Maddie to suddenly yeah. have a connection with someone else, you know, for her to kind of maybe you know, like there's some sort of layers of um, yeah. jealousy or discomfort there. I think be, one of the- it'd be interesting to explore. Go ahead. I was going to say, Clark and Octavia have always had this kind of weirdly mm. parallel story that has a conflict and has been brewing yeah. under the surface between them for so long. And in season four, Octavia rose up and yeah. did what Clark could not do. You know, mm-hmm. she literally united yeah. the clans when Clark did mm-hmm. not. And after all this time, to see Maddie sort of maybe potentially come in between them or like like be like kind of be torn between them. And finally, finally bring that Octavia Clark conflict to the surface would be something mm-hmm. that I would just absolutely love to see. Because we've never really gotten to see, oh, yeah, like they've they've had moments and they've been in storylines together, but we've never really yeah. had yeah. a substantial Clark Octavia plot, like mm-hmm. like a a a them kind of like counterbalance with each other, like conflict but like like a a story that is about the two of them and their relationship with each other and their sort of like contrasts and parallels you know we've had like we've had pieces of that stitched into bigger things but um but them kind of positioned as oppositional forces around this child is like fascinating and that i think is one of like one of the kind of earliest um teaser spoilers we got from jason that i remember cropping up in the you know, and all the press he did like right after the finale was said like over and over again. So I've kind of been like, you know, waiting for this in my mind that, um, you know, sort of posing the hypothetical question of what happens when what Clark thinks is best for her child and what other people specifically, he always kind of mentioned like Bellamy and or Octavia think is best for the whole are at odds. You know, and and so that yeah. kind of planted very early on in my mind the idea that like Maddie is going to have a role, or someone's going to want Maddie to have a role that is fundamentally sort of in opposition to what Clark wants, and and I think we're going to get you know, and but Maddie's also old enough now at this point in the story when we meet her six years later that she will potentially want to have some agency and making those decisions herself. And so maybe that's where the kind of like illusions to like Clark and Abby parallels come in where like, what does Maddie want? You know, like if Clark wants a for Maddie and Octavia or Bellamy or Gaia or Indra or somebody else wants B for Maddie, like what does Maddie want? Because she's like a preteen now. I mean, she's probably, she's like 12 or something, you know? So she's going to have her own thoughts and but she's um, got to be small, smaller than 12 if she was a baby. Like something about this math does not add up. I'm sorry. <laughs> is, I wonder <laughs> I, like, I wonder if it's like in season one where we're like, or season two where we're expected to believe that all these 23-year-olds are really 15. <laughs> and it's sort of like a right, similar so thing. Like <laughs> yeah. Um, she's a, we're supposed to think like eight, right. maybe? Yeah. <laughs> We need an answer to this. Yeah, I'm really Someone bad with children's ages, so like I would yes. probably buy it. But um, <laughs> but yeah, but so so that <laughs> I think it's also really I think it's, it's you know we got a, a lot of snippets about this because um, Jason said when we were talking to him that um, you know Gaia has kind of become like an advisor, right hand woman to Octavia. So I feel like 
you know, there might be, uh, there might be some sort of like pressure or sense from Octavia, you know, that like, okay, if like the thing that's going to mean that you can stop having to do whatever, you know, messed up stuff she has to do to keep one crew together is like, Mm -hmm. now you have a commander and follow a commander. So here's your commander. Um, you know, so that kind of like, and, and Octavia having, you know, this coming out of the six year, just Mm -hmm. like crucible, it seems like of the bunker, you know, I think that it's plausible that she would look at that as like, thank God, you know. Or she would use her, like Naya tried to use Antari or wanted to use Antari to help Mm -hmm. control one crew and try to keep them together. Cause I think I, and I don't know if this is true. But I think that Octavia yeah, genuinely wants one crew to be one crew. And I think especially when they get out of the bunker, I it's going to be really yeah. hard for her because like, she's only been trying to make it a thing for mm-hmm. six years. And I feel like there's a big chance that all of these clans could kind of like uh, like break up again once they leave. Mm-hmm. Unless she has this thing yeah. to unite them and yeah. that could be Maddie. Exactly. No, I agree. I agree. And I think... Uh, you know, and, and there's like a lot of little hints in the trailer, uh, you know, towards Octavia and Maddie, you know, besides the actual scene we see of them together, but, you know, when, um, in the shots of, uh, Clark and Maddie at the campfire, you know, Maddie's looking Mm -hmm. at the picture of Octavia. That's the, like, you can see Bellamy off to the side, but they're clearly like the focus is on Octavia. And then the next page, we do get that drawing of Octavia winning the conclave and which makes me wonder like if the stories that maddie has been hearing about octavia sort of focus on sort of her as this triumphant warrior leader amazing you know sort of like unifier whatever that's gonna prime that maddie is primed to sort of just like Mm -hmm. hero worship octavia basically um and sort of primed to to kind of be like yeah whatever octavia says is is going to be right. Um, so, which kind of complicates the sense of like, thinking like Maddie, you know, she is like, she is old enough to have, to express, to have sort of things she wants to do. But like, the difficulty is, you know, does she want the things that she wants, at least at first, for the right reasons, you know, and, and how does she have to learn what those reasons are? Um, and I'm kind of looking forward to like, maybe having a moment of like, Maddie being the one to be like, yeah, y'all are all, I would love that. <laughs> right. I'm doing this wrong, mom. Like at the end of the season, she just goes up to a microphone. She's like, listen, everybody. <laughs> this has gone too far. <laughs> like, it's not, it's like kind of silly that you listen to me because of the color of my blood. But yeah. if you're not listening because of the color of my blood, here we go. Uh, well, speaking of... Um, Speaking of blood and terrible decisions, I think we're up to um, Octavia's <laughs> Underground Fight Club. Oh my um, god, yes! Which is so. Oh my god! believe it. This is unbelievable. So, so this is the thing I think that I have had the hardest time <laughs> sitting on since we first saw it because, like, every time everyone was like, "Oh wow!" Like people are saying, like things are going to be super fucked up in the bunker. Like I wonder what it's going to be, and they were tossing out these things that were so tame and I wanted to be like, no, it's a fight club and the floor is covered in blood and it's fucking crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But we have to because Marcus Cain's in it. So I have to talk about fight club. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, So I, so I have, of course, I have analyzed this frame by frame. Um, 
And uh, so the thing that I think is interesting, and this is another place where there's, um, I think, some editing misdirects, is this this montage that we get at the beginning is at least two, potentially three different fights stitched together. Um, So there's tattoo-faced guy who's fighting somebody that we can't really see who could possibly be like obscure because it's somebody that we know. And then there's two sort of balder guys and one of them lops the guy, other guy's head off. I, I haven't paused. I haven't paused right now on that first fight with the tattoo face guy. And it's, it's like the guy he's fighting is just kind of, you know, he's been punched. He's sort of turned around and the freeze frame I have it on the guy he's fighting looks disturbingly upsetting. Oh my God. Like oh God. It's not like Dan if they Miller kill him alive, I don't need to kill him here. <laughs> I'm not. Sh- I know. Oh, oh my god! Is it really in front no. of me? So I did not order this. <laughs> I can't kill him twice. Like Jesus. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I, I do think I do agree. It's definitely different scenes, and I think that they're you know because we're all speculating like is this the grounders trying to rebel against Octavia or is this her way of keeping them in line? And I think mm-hmm. it might be both. Like I think I, it might be yeah. both at the beginning it when they're be like, yeah. screw mm-hmm. this Octavia thing. We're going to do another conclave and fight for who can actually lead us. Mm-hmm. And then later we might see Octavia try to like harness this, like the, these fights for some yeah. kind of like, like, like ruler purpose. I, yeah. I think, I definitely think that, um, yeah, I, sure. I agree with that. Or I think that there is certainly there's an evolution because so there's two. Um, so, so, yeah, so, so we get so we get sort of like intro to the fight club of just like we get the sort of like gladiator blood spatter. And then we get Octavia with, you know, like a hood with people behind her running through some building like she's sort of back to being spy Octavia. And then we get this little could be a real moment, could be a spliced moment between Octavia and Jaha about like, I'm not a leader. I don't know what I'm doing. And then him being like, you have to make them listen to you. And then we, yeah. and then we cut back to, you know, more um, her, you know, slashing and stabbing everyone. And then you have to be one crew, you know, choose. And then we get more of the um, kind of fight club stuff and the juxtaposition of all of those things together feels like the implication is that, um, or at least what, what what we're meant to take from it, even if that's a misdirect, is that you know, is that <laughs> this is this is the thing that she chooses to do to get people to, um, you know, un, unequivocally, sort of unquestioningly accept her leadership. And but the thing that I think is interesting in terms of kind of the um, the juxtaposition of the fight shots is that so the first um, the first bloody cane scene that we get where he's kind of like been like knocked down to the ground and he's getting back up. And he says the thing about saving our people is about more than keeping them alive. Um, appears to be just based on like, you know, setting and, you know, he's wearing a different shirt. When we see him later, when he's like full on, like he's got his shield and the ax and he goes flying through the air and then he spears somebody. Those are two different fights. And so the potential of like, um, you know, maybe earlier on, like, is he sort of like, you know, is this the kind of the thing that Marie was kind of alluding to at Unity Days about like Octavia 
um, you know, exacting some kind of retribution over the people who she feels like have kind of committed crimes to keep them in line. And then it evolves into, um, you know, more of a sort of like, um, I don't know, like, like not a gladiator kind of thing, but like, you know, it seems like at some later point in the flashbacks, it's like Kane is much more comfortable with this form of combat than he seems to be in this first shot of it. So is he in the ring like multiple times? You know, like it's something that kind of keeps happening. Um, and so I'm just, yeah, so I'm really interested in um, in the way that we're going to see what does she perceive to be the purpose of this um like, is this her justice system? Is this like, tr- is it trial by combat? Is it execution? Is this connected to all of the cannibalism rumors and they eat everybody who loses the fight? <laughs> who loses? Um, <laughs> is it is it to do with like like population resource scarcity? Scarcity? Is it something that comes into play? In a different way, in that sixth year after everyone is stir crazy and they're supposed to get out and they can't, and they're trapped in there for some reason that maybe because the bunker door is blocked or maybe some other reason why they're stuck down there still. Um, that feels like that'll be a time where it would be really hard for Octavia to keep like active rioting from breaking out, you know, like they're out of food. They're a year overdue. Everyone's going crazy. So, so what I'm wondering is if the, like, um, you know, the, the sort of seems to be further in the future came with like the, you know, the shield and the ax and whatever. Um, and the, and the ring itself being like much bloodier and creepier looking. Um, if there's like a ramped up version of it that happens sort of towards the end. So I don't know. Um, I'm also, uh, I could just yell about, Kane with an axe for a really long time, but well, are you um, sure? Are, is it are, is it two different scenes of him? Because it looks really looks to me like it's he's wearing the same shirt. It um it looks like, the the so the the neckline. So when he's like getting down off of the ground, um uh-huh. and and he's got like it's like the neckline is like high up around his neck and it's frayed a little bit. And the black shirt that he's wearing in the scene with Abby, where he's like what have we done? Looks like the shirt mm-hmm. he's wearing when he's like stabbing the guy and like flying through the air with the spear and the ax and stuff, but it looks like a different shirt. It, I could be totally wrong. Okay. Um, but it also well, looks like, like Bellamy's shirt. So it's like very confusing. Yeah. They all, they all have like two shirts. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but the other thing that I thought was interesting. So in this first shot of him where he's just like, where he says the saving our people is about more than keeping them alive, which which felt to me, I don't know how it felt to you guys, like this is the voice he uses when he's trying to talk to Octavia. Like he's not talking to whoever he's yeah. fighting. I don't think. I think he's talking to her or it's for the benefit of her. Um, but he doesn't look like he's fighting. He looks like he got knocked to the ground and didn't fight back. Like he doesn't have any weapons near him. Um, mm-hmm. He's trying to talk to somebody or like reason with somebody. So, and the other one, it's like purely like he is in a gladiator ring with like an ax and a shield and a spear and someone's coming at him like for his life. And in that first moment of it, it seems more like he's still in a place of like, please don't do this. This is like, you know, like the more like negotiation. So what if in the first one, what if in the first one, I mean, like, does, I don't, I don't think he's fighting necessarily. I, I mean, he's in that place because he's on like blood covered concrete, but I feel like he, it's after he's fought. Someone. Yeah. What if, what if he's just like, <laughs> <laughs> well, he could be a janitor too, but I, I feel like it looked to me like he had, 
like just yeah. reluctantly and this might again be like me just being tricked by them trying to trick me but it looks like this is after he killed someone and he's like leaning down oh but but but, 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 but what if but what if okay 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 what if we are totally misconstruing what marie said about because because at unity days marie said something like uh like Octavia, you know, has never forgiven Cain for what he did on the Ark and she's going to get her own kind of justice or something like that. What if instead of making him fight, uh, she does make him the janitor? Because that's what happened to her. (laughs) Oh, my God. God. (laughs) You know what? Accepted. You know what? You know what, though? You know what I love about that? Is that like, like I I was talking last night to Brittany and Sam about how that that totally badass shot that we get of Indra and her new like one crew guards would that all have that like fabulous uh-huh. badass kind of like yeah. um, grounder meets sky crew like aesthetic and everyone just like looks super hot. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so, so Kane is nowhere to be seen in that. Like, here's you know Octavia's like elite power squad, and so we were all like, so, so whatever, whatever she's done to Kane, she's entirely removed all his power. Like, he's he's very much like no longer the chancellor. Yeah. So say, what if she like recreated yeah. the class strata of the Listen, arc? Basically, yes. Put like Kane and Jaha on I, the bottom to scrub. That I love the idea. I actually that love be, that like, idea. Cool. Like, and people like, they're just like, you're going to hate her. She's going to be so evil. And then in the actuality in season five, she's like, yeah, I'm going to make him the janitor. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? So first of all, I like that so much more than her punishing him by like doing something physically brutal. Um, And and it's like, it's exactly the kind of petty thing that you'd expect a 16 year old who just got elected president to do. Oh my God. And I mean, like, there's so much poetic justice there, you know. Like, plus it gives it gives it gives him plenty of, you know. He maybe he's like scrubbing up the blood, and like someone comes, <laughs> so someone's coming in to talk to him, and he's like, as the- <laughs> I see these, I see the like bloody outcome of this. <laughs> I cleaned up the visitor. I just scrubbed this floor, Octavia. <laughs> <laughs> what if we done? Yeah. All right. Uh, what have I'm we done? So happy. Look at that state. It's never going to come out. <laughs> we don't we even ruined have this place down here. How do you expect me to do this? To well, they did say it was really gross. So it is like. Yeah. A- yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so happy. I, I If this isn't canon now, I'm going to I'm going to cry. We fixed it. Yeah. Um, it. <laughs> um, but I do, you know. That does that does not solve the question of when and why Cain <laughs> would any be. Questions. It doesn't solve any questions. It's yeah. just delightful, and I hope that it's true. No, but um, I but I like <laughs> but it does. But what it does make me think is that you are right that there's nothing indicating in that first shot that he was fighting. He's just on the ground near blood. He's got a little bit on his forehead, you know, but he could have just been yeah. like punched. Um, I mean, so, like, who, who doesn't have a couple of dings right, at this point? That's fair. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe blood maybe, is what keeps his hair shiny. <laughs> it could be. Maybe he just like t- he was like scrubbing the blood and he touched his forehead to like push back his beautiful locks. <laughs> Ooh, on himself. I love it. I love it. I love this mystery. Uh, <laughs> I also I also sort of wonder. Speaking of kind of questions. So, like, the, the trailer very much wants us – it kind of creates a continuum of the Fight Club stuff uh-huh. that it wants us to follow. Mm. Um, you know, suggesting that it start – that has something to do with 
one, you know, that like Octavia starts it, it has something to do with one crew that it kind of proceeds um, through time, which I sort of wonder, you know, like that's, there's, there's a lot of things there because it's clearly stitched together from a bunch of, def- bunch of different fights yeah. and scenes. It seems like a prime candidate for like deliberately deceptive editing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that I wonder is, so the, the little bit on the ring that leads into the sequence, like the sort of voiceover, I think, even right when we first cut um, that first like sort of cut to um, the fight is Bellamy saying Clark didn't die for us to live and make the same stakes mm-hmm, again, mm-hmm. which again is like leading us to believe like, so, you know, meanwhile in the bunker, mm-hmm. they're making the same, they're making mistakes, the same mistakes. Yeah. Um, which, you know, which is one of those things where it's like, well, okay. First of all, is that, a misdirect. It does seem like it's it's reasonable based on what every all the hints we've heard about how dark things are in the bunker. Right. That that's probably true. But then the question becomes like exactly which mistakes are they making again? Mm-hmm. Um so and, and it's possible that, that that Octavia kind of like struggling to keep one crew together and then deciding basically like, all right, I'm just gonna like lean all the way into the fact that grounders kind of like sort out hierarchy via fights to the death. So fine, here we go. Uh-huh. And, like we will well, work all this stuff out via fights to death. But on the other hand, that could also just be what the trailer kind of wants us to believe. And maybe that's not quite what it is, you know? Well, maybe mm-hmm. I was thinking about this. And this goes into like a much more complicated, and I'm sorry this is taking so long, um, but like as such a, a complicated, like what, what, in what, in what uh, order are the events of Clark going to Polis, Bellamy going to Polis, the bunker opening, them yes. leaving the bunker, all that stuff? Mm-hmm. Because yes. I think that depending on how long the space crew people stay in in space, how much they know about Allegis, how many times they like travel back and forth between Allegis and, and mm-hmm. the Ark, if they do go back to the Ark. Um, because if they're talking about potentially, if Bellamy says that line up in space, which he does, and they're mm-hmm. talking about how they don't want to make the same mistakes, and they have to be talking about a war. So they're either talk or like fighting people. So they're either talking about yeah. going to Illigis to like kill them, or they already know that Illigis is going to try to take the Eden place, and they are deciding to go to free the bunker people to fight against the like 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 there has to be something going mm. on up there that that justifies bellamy believing that they're about to make some kind of catastrophic uh, ending like humanity big war decision right yes yes and we get you know monty saying at some point you know we get the line from monty saying if if yeah. uh, war is the only way what is it if war is the only way to survive then maybe we don't deserve it I think he's yeah. on the ground when he says that. I think he yeah. is on the ground. I think he is on the ground. But I mean, it does just sort of suggest, I think, interestingly, another kind of point of conflict that I'm really interested in is yeah, the fact yeah. that the people, uh, you know, the, the that space crew, while they're up there, you know, have seemed to have, you know, basically like reflected on <laughs> yeah. when they were on the ground and gone like, that was all really fucked up. Maybe we should think mm-hmm. about how that happened and try not to, you know, they're all kind of like very exp- seemingly explicitly pretty anti- war you know or at least like pro like they're they're much more doves than hawks at this point yes um so uh yeah so but but yeah i mean you raise a good point um selena because so we do we know this is sort of implied in the trailer but i think there was some stuff um i think the tv guide article yesterday confirmed this so there's the Elegius group there's two spaceships there's the Elegius 
spaceship that goes to the ground that Clark saw. Yeah. And then, which is different from the one well, that's in just the, space. The transport, the prison Wait, transport what? is a small one. Yes. And the one in space is, is really big. Wh- Wait, yeah, there's, there's two? How did I miss this? I'm so dumb. I don't know. Oh, my God. There's there's two. So ah. there's transport ship that lands, and then there's the one that's up in space. Holy so shit. Okay. So, uh, so and and we, and there's a shot in the trailer of the, um, of, of Becca's shuttle, the one that they took up there. Yeah. There's five people in the shuttle. Um, so it looks like from, from what we've been able to, from, from like sort of who's together, it looks like Murphy and Raven. I know. Are one group. Yeah. And then the other five are another group. So, so like you said, uh, uh, Selena, I think. I hadn't thought about the possibility that maybe like the Bellamy, Echo, um, Harper, Monty, uh, uh, Emory group go straight to the bunker. Well, no, I think that they all go to, well, I, I don't, obviously I have no idea, but I could imagine that maybe they go, like they all go to religious and then either directly from there because when when Murphy goes like let's go be heroes or the line he says um yeah. it's it doesn't quite look like the arc they're on so maybe like there's a shuttle on Eligis that can take five people to the ground and then Murphy and Raven stay to go back to the arc and or to stay on Eligis and that's when they get captured by Zeke who also has to go, uh, presumably get back from the ground to space, like depending on how well, time goes, unless, unless it happens before he goes to the ground. <laughs> unless unless Murphy and Raven are the sort of like go over first. Murphy is mm-hmm. kind of like, what the fuck, whatever, I don't care about my life, so I'll right, risk it. Right, right. And Raven, because Raven says, you know, like I've, I promised you that I would get you down. Yeah. So if they go over to Scout, get captured by that first group, they might be the first ones to hit the ground. Like they might be with Charmaine at all. Yeah, because we do see Murphy on the ground. But we don't yes, see, we like, do. Raven, I'm worried for Raven because we haven't seen her on the ground once, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, we have, actually. Yeah, we, we saw where the gun running, running, okay. She gets the gun yeah, at yeah. some point. Right. Um, yeah. But Murphy um, is running it, uh, in the trailer on the ground, yeah. Yes, and we see Raven and Murphy together being tortured yeah. by Legia's people, which means we to believe. So I, I suspect that they go over first, get captured, mm-hmm. then the rest of the group goes over to try to find them and then comes down later, Interesting. <gasps> oh, um, what? Oh, but, no, no, but, it, but then it is possible, I suppose, that, like, they they wouldn't necessarily... If they know that basically, like, something happened, something bad happened to Raven and Murphy and that they were taken down to the green place uh, or green spot, whatever. Green place is uh, Mad Max, but let's go with it. <laughs> um, to, the green, <laughs> to the green place... Um, they might want to avoid, you know, going down exactly where the other people were. So I hadn't really thought about like, what if, I mean, cause we, we've also seen like in the trailer, you see like Bellamy is definitely in the bunker at some point with Octavia. Um, like that group seems to be in the bunker at some point. Well, and Bell- so maybe they wind up at the bunker first. Bellamy, this is, so this is something else that, that it comes up later in the trailer, but, but it's related to what we're talking about now, which is that. Um, it seems to me just that, and Bellamy must be related, reunited with Octavia really early because we see like, like there, there's that, you know, there's the, your brother loves you, you know, like, like it's, it's Octavia and her kind of squad, Octavia, Indra, other grounder looking people and Bellamy's there. And, and so in order that like, 
for them to have been like reunited, he's looped into whatever the thing, whatever the plot is that Octavia and Indra have cooking up. He's in it by mid season, because that's as far as they had gone through post by the time we saw this the first time. So like all the stuff that we recognize from the first trailer is from like the first half of the season. So at some point in the first like five or six episodes, he's already sort of folded into their whole thing. So what I'm wondering is like, how, how far is it before Clark is united with these people? And that we seem to have a much fuzzier timeline on than the fact that we oh you well know we've what? seen them in that- polis together and we saw and we saw as well yeah yeah polis when you know not to jump ahead but the maxon hug the biggest moment in this trailer <laughs> right right uh, <laughs> yeah. the big surprise sure. as well um <laughs> like we saw her she was there she was in in polis at that point we've seen pictures of bellamy and clark in polis and with miller yes. so this is after the bunker gets yes. opened um, yeah. And we've also got the big question of if the bunker doors get open, if if Bellamy gets in, then must mean people can get out. So why the hell is he in yeah. there at all? Like it's it's yeah. weird. It's there's something really unless the timeline. Unless they do figure out, I mean, unless like so, if if the other group from the ring goes over to the Elysian ship and they basically like like if there was a mutiny and everybody who was left behind you know, are the people who are mutinied against. They're basically like, so the people that like went down to the ground with your friends are these well, like, mm-hmm. you know? I think that, I mean, like, I I, think that Bellamy and the others, like the five have to go to Earth before Raven and Murphy only because that shot when Murphy leaves them behind, Murphy is not wearing a space suit and they all are and they're standing in the launch pod area. In, in Oh, yeah, that could be. Mm, good point. <laughs> <laughs> this is really, really hard. I love it, though. I love how hard it's to figure out. <laughs> I just am sort of wondering if it isn't sort of like, does does Bellamy make it to, does Bellamy like get to the bunker before, to, you know, to like warn them that these other, but well, I don't know, like maybe he gets there and he's like, Yo, there's a green place and also some people there. Who want yes, it. but he must. Yes, uh, okay. Like the reason he goes to the ground must be because he won. Like if he's the one that gets them out, maybe he found tech and he's like, okay, I can mm-hmm. get them. Yeah, out for now I'm. I know they're trapped there. I'm going right now. Maybe he hears Clark's transmission on Elijah's. <gasps> on Elijah's. Oh my god! Yay! Oh my wait, god, wait, okay, but so he knows that she's alive. Wait, wait, okay, yeah. but she doesn't. And the bunker uh, is trapped. And then he's like, okay, uh, I have to go right now. And then they go, oh, yes, and then yes, they yes, free so, the bunker. Go on. I love this. I can't believe I thought of that. So, okay. So I love, so <laughs> I love everything that you're saying, except that this is the only, this is my only thing that I want that is different from what you just said, is I desperately want Clark to be the last person that everybody finds, because I yeah. really want, like, I just, my angsty heart wants so badly a moment between Bellamy and Abby where Bellamy has to tell Abby that Clark is dead. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I would like, I, I would love like, that. I want that emotional, like it, upheaval between those two characters who, who have both like lost this, like most important person, like that sort of moment of connection. Um, okay. But counterpoint what about a scene where Bellamy tells Abby that Clark is alive? Aww. I would accept that, that too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, 
if Bellamy hears her, he knows he's like, so he gets down to the ground. He gets the people out. He basically is like, and then is like, we have to get to the green place because they have Clark. Yeah. But we know she gets uh, to Polis too. So what if she goes to Polis? Because like maybe they catch well, Maddie or maybe like she goes there. Yeah. And then they meet up that in Polis. That would Exactly, that's what I was thinking. So if she if she gets away, and that would explain why Clark would be walking across the desert. Yes, yeah, because they took a rover. The rover, exactly. So she's like, you know, she's like crossing the desert to try to get to Maddie. Mm -hmm. Because like, especially if like if she told Maddie like run, you know, run to the bunker or whatever, like run to the other place we know about, um, then then that would be. That would like lead Clark to being the last to reunite with everybody at and get her to pull it. Yeah. Yeah. I like I this might this is probably like hundred percent wrong, but I like that it kind of yeah. together. <laughs> <laughs> I feel good that we found that we found a thing that makes sense yes. that will be blown up within like an episode. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> 20 minutes into 501. Yeah. Yeah. Before too, that like, I don't actually, like, I love, I love this. I love theorizing, but I also kind of love when I'm wrong because I love. Oh, me too. Yeah. Like subverts my expectations. And I'm like, ha ha, I'm I'm so clever. I know what's going to happen. And the show is like, nah, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. No, I mean, too. It's like the best of both worlds because you get the fun of theorizing, then also the fun of being. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which like it's way more fun. I would. I I hope that I am like seventy five percent right because then I get <laughs> maybe a little right. Yeah. You know, like you. It also is yeah, fun. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> um, okay. So uh, okay. Back to um back to where we're at. So we talked a little bit about the little the shuttle pod only having five of them, right? Which is them. Yeah. We think maybe yes. zipping over to the other. Place and then we get a little shot of Murphy and Bellamy sparring on the Ark, or actually mm-hmm. fighting on the Ark. Um, it looks like fighting to me. Like I don't know why it looks like. I think it's fighting. I, um, yeah, it's, like, and it's it's not clear. So like, what did he do? Yeah. Based on what Richard said at Walker Stalker when we talked about like how Bellamy, um, we did this interview. If, if listeners don't know, over in Hyperbole, and. Um, and he was saying how, like, basically, Bellamy is Murphy's only friend at the start of the season because Bellamy is on- the only one who mm-hmm. understands Murphy and, and the mm-hmm. pain he's in and what he's going through. And this looks like a desperation fight. This looks mm-hmm. like Bellamy trying to contain Murphy or giving him an outlet mm-hmm. for his yeah. anger or something like that. I yeah. could totally see yeah. something like that happening. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. <clears throat> or, you know... Yeah, I mean, I with both of those characters, it I think it's like totally in character to imagine that like occasionally their tension breaks out into you know, could like, also be true, yeah, <laughs> physical yes. tussle. Yes. But um, <laughs> I don't. It is interesting because it kind of looks like it almost looks like Murphy uh like gets the drop on Bellamy mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, it looked to me like Bellamy was was going yeah. to like throw Murphy out a window, and Sam was like, "They can't do that; they're in space." And I was like, "I know he's not, <laughs> I know he's not actually yeah. going to, but like, they, it looked like it. It definitely looked like there was some kind of like, um, it looked messy. Like it didn't look, you know, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, choreographed sure. sparring. Yeah, fight. yeah, yeah. And it's at the window. It looks like the same mm-hmm. window where Bellamy's like, you mm-hmm. know, stands to look down yeah. at Earth, which like. 
It's sort of, it's like hilarious to imagine that Murphy's just like, you gotta get over it already. <laughs> I didn't die for this. And then like, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> but you um, know what's cool though, is like the very next scene when Murphy and Raven are running, it actually mm-hmm. looks like they're smiling. That, like, and I can tell if so they are that, or not, but uh, I think they that's are. I, I think that Raven's like, yay, I can huh. run, you know, because yeah. she's in space. Ah, yeah. So, so that was actually like have a good time. Well, so that was something that, that I that, that was something that 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 pinged me because because it, it, it definitely looked like they were smiling, but it also looked to me like ship aesthetic wise more like Eligius than the Ark, just because of like the lighting. So that was like if they're running through the hallways of the Eligius mining ship, then she would not be happy. Um, so so maybe it is on on the Ark, but I and then they just like they like go for runs together, or they're like. You know, like he's or or like, you know, they're helping, you know, train her or like she's, you know, or it's like gravity. Like, I don't know. But like, I like the idea of like, you know, Raven in space getting to have a little bit more physical freedom, I think is. I know. Yeah, exactly. Um, So then the next Raven moment, this I swear to God, I did not remember. Um, Did I just miss it in the original one or is the line about her saying like. I made a promise six years ago. I'm going to get you down to earth if it's the last thing to do or whatever that is. Oh, that was definitely in the original one. That was, that was okay. And, and then, and then after that, the moment where the, like, um, uh, is it, Oh, never mind. Um, okay. So it's, so we had the little, so we were saying that and we had the little Murphy goodbye thingy. Um, yeah. okay. So I, so maybe I just did not remember, I did not remember that moment of that dialogue with Raven, but, but I trust you if you say that it was there. Um, yeah, it for sure. Okay. Was. I remember. okay. Um, well, I'm emotional about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and like, As so I. worried for Raven, not even, not even necessarily that I think she's going to die because I have a hard time imagining that I, I know everyone can die, but I also, I, I find it hard to imagine Raven dying, but I do think, like we said earlier, we know that she gets to the ground eventually. We see her in a cave with a gun, right? So we know at some point she's there. But I just, I, I wonder if she, if she will ever be happy out of space now that she's been back in space. If we take that that shot of her running at face value and not like it's some kind of fever dream, um, like she's there, she can move, she can be who she wants to be in space. And I think it's going to be really hard for her in terms of the kind of emotional journey she's going to have this season to contend with being on earth, you know, and, and obviously we, we know, we assume that, that Zeke Shaw is going to fit into that somehow. Wink, wink. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> Zeke Shaw is going to switch sides and For turn sure. because of his love. Of, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, like Jason talks so much about Romeo and Juliet. I know. <laughs> there you um, when, he was on, when we interviewed him and everybody just assumed that he was talking about, you know, Balark or something. No. But what if it's, it's Raven? Zavin. <laughs> <laughs> it's Zavin. Zaven, our Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, I worry for Raven's uh, well-being. Mm-hmm. As do I. Once again, all that I really want for Raven this season is to have one post-coital experience <laughs> that is not horribly oh, yeah. awkward. <laughs> I just want her to have one nice morning after. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> it feels like that is not too it much to be- ask. <laughs> and right? yet and I don't care who it is 
It could be Zeke. I'm happy for it to be Zeke. I, I could be anybody else. I don't care who it is. I just want I just want one scene where Raven just got done having sex and she's like, huh, that was really nice. <laughs> <laughs> I have no regrets. <laughs> Uh, uh, but I, I accept that I might just have to sort of close my eyes and imagine that moment instead of actually seeing <laughs> it on the screen. Ah, uh, well. <laughs> um, so Okay, so, so next we got, there's a little Murphy, there's a little Murphy snippet. Um, not the, not the amazing Mike Joplin. Um, oh, no, this is, this is one where he's just like, the sort of like, saying goodbye to the group and heading off somewhere shot. Um, we're yeah. not to the shot caller yet. And then we have Octavia lying on her back like she's hiding somewhere and she's got a wound on her arm. Yeah. Um, like her arm is bandaged. Yeah. Um, and she like turns her head to look at somebody. Yeah. Like, like is she, is, very- is she hiding from somebody or like watching them go by or like what her, what is, I had a lot of what the hell is happening there. Yeah, or is she like under the ground again? Is she hiding? Is this at the beginning and people are trying to kill her and she's mm-hmm. hiding? And so then, so then we have Charmaine and McCreary in the woods, and then we have the one thing that, like, I swear to God, I did not remember. Did we see Clark in a shot collar before? I'm almost positive that was new because I don't remember. Like, like I remember it being implied that Eligius takes over Clark's home, but I don't remember us seeing them capturing her. And we have like a bunch of different moments of her and Charmaine, like, or her and Charmaine McCreary, like in, in the world together. And I'm, I, I'm so like, I was totally convinced that was all new, like her in the shot collar and then her like kind of on the ground looking up as like Charmaine and McCreary are standing over her. Like all of that felt new to me. Did you guys remember that? Um, not specifically, Okay, but it didn't, when I was watching it, I wasn't like, Oh, this is super, this feels new. Okay. So I, I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. Cause all of that stuff, like I don't remember us seeing Clark and McCreary or seeing and the shock collar thing. I only remembered seeing on Raven and I totally did not remember seeing it on Clark or seeing her like getting electrocuted. So I was like, oh, holy shit. Maybe this is from like the very end. But I don't know. You know what's so interesting about the scene, though, <laughs> is that uh, <laughs> that like it shows off um, what's his face is uh, tech even more and like how evil he is. And I feel yes. like that's oh, yeah. really yeah. important. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. That seems right. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's I would the timeline in my head, I feel like it would be early, hmm. you know, but then again, like the timeline in my head could be. No. And wrong, see, this is so. what's so interesting <laughs> about this again, because this presumably like this is very soon after Clark but then again, because if in the next couple of shots, like when we see, and I'm, I'm sure Claire has many thoughts on this, but when we glimpse uh, Kane in Clark's mm-hmm. room, and this is when they've taken over her, her home. Mm-hmm. So this might be mm-hmm. a lot later. This might be like after mm-hmm. Clark yeah. and Maddie have, have escaped the first time around. Mm-hmm. And then for whatever reason, yeah. they come back to their home, and that's when Elijah attacks them. Or, you know, obviously it could also be like, 
at the very start, like they go back to their home to like get supplies and like escape or try to fight. And then Elijah's like rounds on them immediately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, That could be, that could be. And and where is Maddie in the scene as well? Because we Mm -hmm. see her later. And again, we're jumping all over the place now, but we see her later in the woods alone. And then we see the gun. Right, exactly. And we see Clark here, presumably alone with Elijah's. And then the next scene is Charmaine in Clark's, room and like presumably they're going to be like destroying all her things so is this like are they waiting are they lying in wait for clark you know and is 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 uh, is kane yeah. somehow involved with this plot and what happens to clark here well or or what oh i god. <laughs> oh god i don't want to well what i what i was thinking <laughs> happened there my my sort of um feeling about the Charmaine scene. Um, and especially with the fact that what we see her, you know, we see her tearing up a picture of Octavia is I felt like that part of it um, felt like um, they've oh, essentially, they've, they've like occupied shallow Valley. They've taken it over. They've driven Clark and Maddie into hiding and Octavia's, you know, one crew people arrive to kind of parlay with, Charmaine and see if they can come up with like a deal for sharing the land and Clark okay. is there and then or Kane is there essentially as like ambassador and that maybe the reason it's the drawing of Octavia that we see her tearing up was some kind of like um uh, you know like either either Octavia is there or it's like like this is our leader or whatever you know but some something to do with like like is that a metaphor for Charmaine saying like I reject any attempt at making peace with the lady whose picture I am shredding <laughs> you know right, like right, right. that's um, very possible like sort of <laughs> yeah, symbolically yeah, yeah. like yeah, fuck the chicken possible. this picture you know and <laughs> Um, but that the reason yeah, that, that yeah. Kane is that like that she's essentially using Clark's house as like, it's her headquarters now. Base, and yeah, he's yeah. kind of there to like, um, you know, to sort of parlay with the enemy and see if a piece can be struck because that's often like, cause that's his thing. That's interesting. We, I had a very different theory about this. Do we, okay. Well, I want to hear yours. Uh, yes. Can I ask a quick question? Can I, can I ask a quick question? Do we actually see Kane's face? Um, we yeah, see we head. see side profile and beard, which have been analyzed in depth. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So, so okay, I was just, yeah, I wasn't I couldn't remember how sure like um, how sure it was. was so came, I did but, not. Yeah. I one hundred percent the first time I saw it when it went by so quickly, I did not clock that it was Kane. Um, I just I, I was only looking at I I only had eyes for Charmaine Diosa, my new love, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and the tearing up of the picture, which just really like hurt my heart. But um, but so I wasn't looking at who she was talking to at all because he's mostly in shadow but if you go through it by the screen caps you can see i mean it's it it is either kane or it is somebody with hair the exact same length who also has a dark bushy beard yeah Um, right right and um and that he does just from the angle that his head is turned appear to be looking at the picture on the wall that we also are pretty sure is kane um Mm -hmm. which felt like the only reason i Mm -hmm. ask is because we the like the the other new Elegius character that they've announced who we don't really see or haven't seen much is the serial killer guy. Uh, oh, Mike. Do- I, was I don't think like- he looks like that. I think he looks different. I'm okay, not sure. Cool. Oh yeah, I wasn't sure what he looked like yeah. yet. I mean, because the only yeah. other theory, I, the only other theory I had is like, if this wasn't Kane, is it like some right. assassin? Yeah, yeah. And she's and, like, oh yeah, target. yeah. But anyway, um, sorry. 
Uh, Selena, what's what's? Oh, I was just gonna say, I'm wondering, and there's like a couple of clues. I feel like in this trailer, uh, if Kane and Abby don't make the conscious decision to go, like to defect from Octavia and go to Eligius on their own accord, and like I'm mm. wondering this, like first because they don't, like it would explain if they came here and saw that this was Clark's house and they had no idea. Kane is looking at that, realizing, mm-hmm. oh crap, like. What have I gotten myself, like, what does it actually mean that I made this decision? But also because of the medical thing in the background of mm-hmm. uh, Charmaine mm-hmm. suggesting that some kind of medical thing is going on and you know who's around when some kind of right. medical thing is going on. So and he's going to be there, right? <laughs> and so that so that that behind-the-scenes picture that we got a couple months ago where we all saw Abby's gray hair streak for the first time, they're in what looks like – it's right. like an abandoned ice cream parlor because there's like a sign in the back that has like ice cream flavors, which is amazing. But in the back, in the in the other room, you can see what looks like like it's like a medical table experimenty kind of thing, and McCreary is there. So like, so at wow. some point there is a confluence of um, like badass, gray-haired, grounded-looking post-time jump Abby with Clark um, because Clark is in that picture too. And so like Abby Clark McCreary in Shallow Valley with medical equipment. This sounds like a really weird game of Clue. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to play this game of Clue. <laughs> Abby and Clark <laughs> with the medical equipment. Medical equipment. <laughs> yeah. Echo anyway, of the so- arc with a knife. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> To be honest, you know, like that that sort of like uh structure of person plus plus murder plus weapon plus yeah. is a fairly good way to uh to summarize the hundred in a lot of things. <laughs> um but anyway, so we know that we know that those are story yeah, elements that converge at some point. So that would make sense if potentially like um there's a like if 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 they're there now and Eligius comes to them as opposed to like what what it read to me was like Charmaine is like now like this is where I live this is my house and then Kane is like hey can we make peace and she's like ha ha I shred your leader's face um, <laughs> but <laughs> she's like you're just a janitor. yeah exactly you're, 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 you're not an ambassador anymore yeah to negotiate with me but then is, is that why Clark is there? As well, like when she's being captured or stunned by by uh, why can I not remember his name? Um, McCreary, you know yeah, yeah, McCreary, McCreary. Miller too. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, like yeah. like <laughs> when when she gets stunned, it's nighttime, obviously. But then you know everyone is technically in the same location now, so so that matches up with your picture. If this is all happening roughly at the same time, right mm-hmm. or no? Mm-hmm. I wonder if the I wonder if there's some reason why, like the Eligius people, um, develop a medical problem yeah. where they like yeah. need Abby. Right, you know, I really like, think so. Yeah, her or huh. yeah, um, try to force her to figure out how to. Well, so here's the thing that I was thinking about. So they have like. Nightblood 1.0, right? Like they have like like yeah. early yeah. like a like a totally different version of Nightblood. So if they if it's like, you know, 
a more primitive or or less like more like even a more like maybe experimental version of it if they have to continue like yeah. do they have to give themselves injections of something or does it react badly to like like is there some kind of something that is specific to the kind of night blood that they have where they are either susceptible to medical problems or shit goes wrong and and they um, and they have a doctor who's used to dealing with that stuff kind of in the environment of space, but like, are they like uniquely vulnerable to earth-based infections or something like that? Cause they've been like in a contained environment. So I just wondered if like, yeah, or, I mean, that would explain why that would also give them another motivation for wanting both yes. right. and Clark, um, you know, if they need sort of like infusions mm-hmm. or something like that and and they don't have access to like, let's say like if there's a medical lab on their, sh- you know, their original ship, they don't have access to anymore. They would need like it would almost be a reversal of like what Clark and Abby did to Luna uh, mm-hmm, before, mm-hmm. Um, where they're sort of like prisoners being sort of yeah. forced to donate blood or bone marrow. Well, that's a great example of a like good for the whole but bad for Maddie thing that like a decision that Clark would have to make that that would resonate with some of the stuff that Jason was kind of saying about like the kind of conundrum that Clark finds herself in where there's like an an abstract objective good versus something that makes her feel like her child is in harm's way and like old Clark Mm -hmm. versus new Clark having to kind of reconcile how she makes decisions now which I think would be really interesting um I, I I don't want it to put her like at odds with her mom over medical ethics again, just because I feel like we already did that exact storyline, but I like the idea of Eligius needing Maddie for something like that. And then like the family having to like save her. Mm. But, but then, but then, okay. But like, what if, so like the, the bargain that Clark makes is that they don't experiment on Maddie, but then Ab- Abby is forced to experiment. <gasps> Interesting. Why are you like this? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just like the idea of Abby and Clark sort of ending up like accidentally on the opposite sides, you know? Yeah. Like, and legitimately yeah, fighting yeah, for different yeah. sides right. for reasons that don't really, yeah. it's not because they like Clark believes in Octavia. It's not because Abby believes mm. in like whatever. It's because of like different factors. I think that would yeah, be amazing. Yeah, like ideological. Well, yeah. So, we, so Abby, we know that Abby gets like a huge yeah, storyline, so, like a yeah. huge, huge, meaty, crazy storyline. So I wonder, I do sort of wonder if Abby doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, go bad on I, Maybe yeah, she humanizes I, them. Season. I think that there's, so, so the, yeah. so we know, so here, so there's a bunch of things that we know kind of indirectly from things that actors have said that, that make me curious about where the intersection is going to come between Abby and the Eligious storyline. So William told me when we had drinks with the cast and everyone in Vancouver, um, without me even prompting, you know, normally I would be like, tell me about Paige and Ian, but I didn't this time because I was trying to be cool. Um, but I just asked him, who, um, but I just happened to ask him like, you know, who, who in the cast he got to work with besides Ivana or if he was most sort of like self-contained. Um, and he said, no, you know, you got to work with a ton of people. And he said that he actually got to do a ton of work with Paige. So then I immediately was like, how the fuck does Abby end up in the Eligious storyline? But then when Paige and Ian were at the con together in Paris, um, she, and I, I mean, obviously this is all like, you know, third hand from people who were there who were tweeting. It's like, I mean, maybe this could all be sort of misinterpreted, but, but that she talked a lot about, um, 
you know, the, the arc that Abby goes on sort of starting off with, um, you know, she, she wakes up, she realizes what Kane did. Um, and that like, she understands why he did it. It doesn't make her love him any less, but they're also like, as a, woman who is like strong and makes her own decisions and has a lot of agency that she feels like that she has a lot of anger, you know, at, at him from kind of like removing that agency from her. And that starts to maybe kind of seed in a little bit of like, I think fracturing potentially in their relationship or at least sort of distance and kind of tension like between them. Um, that seems to indicate that like, I don't necessarily know that I believe that they're going to be like separated the whole entire time, but Abby has a journey that she seems to go on. That's very much like, I think born out of, um, the dark place that we sort of see her end season four in like, like that's her kind of starting moment. And it feels like it kind of amplifies from there. Um, and, and that, and that there's something, and Jason mentioned this and Paige has said this, and they used almost the same words, which is that whatever Abby's arc is about, it relates to some issue that is currently extremely present in our world today. And Jason seemed to think that whatever the thing was, he hasn't heard anybody guess it yet. So it's like not something like super obvious, like maybe like okay. depression, PTSD or like climate change and water scarcity or things that have come up. Um, but, but medical experimentation or bioethics could potentially be another way. So I, so there's, there's some, there's some kind of allegorical or like present day um, social crisis or social issue that's like knitted into what Abby's arc um, looks like. What if it's what if it's like eugenics or cloning? <clears throat> well, oh, oh, cloning would be interesting. interesting. Yeah, I think eugenics. I thought of only because the like because I was thinking a lot about. Um, the medical experimentation part of it, like the, you know, the fact that we see her with what kind of looks like McQuarrie's torture table, um, you know, in the background, the stuff that happened to her in season four um, with the, with the Luna stuff, but cloning could be really interesting. Um, and, and then what if it is cloning mm-hmm. and, but like for some Uh-oh. reason the clones can only be grown in male bodies Oh my god! That's why we see that guy <laughs> on the table with his stomach moving? No. We have a, a storyline about male pregnancy. Yep. And what if Cabby Baby Theory is true? <laughs> oh my god! But, <laughs> but in fact, it's like a clone, uh, like eugenicized baby that uh, Ab- that evil Abby implanted in Kane. Oh my god! Eh? <laughs> Amazing! Oh, I love it. That's, that's I love it. it. I can totally it. buy it. I'm gonna go ride the um, you well, don't do need so- to watch the season now. That's just really happening. <laughs> I know. Our, yeah, that's our idea is that's way better. Yeah. Cracked it. Done. Um, so, but yeah, but so the, so, so the, so Abby, um, Abby is not visible in the creepy stomach scene, but somebody with long, like whitish blondish hair is kind of like just out of frame and you see like a slice of hair, which could be Abby's or it could maybe be Clark's. I don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. But like Miller's there and Indra's there, like, like bunker people are there with that body. Um, But also so is Bellamy. I think it's it's Clark's Bellamy, which is interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's Bellamy, um, Indra, Octavia. And Miller. uh, And then somebody, the person and the, well, it's either Miller or Zeke. I actually, (laughs) I thought it. I thought it was Miller, but it might be Zeke. Oh, I'm and then the Miller. woman, the woman is um, 
She's a new character named uh, Kara Cooper, and she's also the woman who's fighting in solo combat. Yeah, that Octavia is uh, kind of like looking down and watching. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, which is really fascinating. And, and like, it's really, I would, so, so that one's really intrigues me because Kara Cooper is not at all a grounder. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we were like the least grounder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were talking, Selena and I were talking about this yesterday. Um, it's like the least grounder name. It sounds very much like, you know, so it sounds like Sky Crew, mm-hmm. maybe Elegious. But mm-hmm. then when, you know, in the scene with the, the, the stomach thing, um, she's got that like, She's got like the black line on her forehead, mm-hmm. um, which kind of looks like a grounder marking. So, and, you know, we see her in the bunker. So I'm just like sort of curious. I'm very curious. I think about who she. I is. think she can't be Eligious only because I. Um, I think everything that is Fight Club is while the bunker is sealed. Like I think it just has to be, um, because yeah, I think okay. because then the next thing that we yeah. see in this trailer is everyone climbing out of the polis rubble, like Octavia and um, a couple of the people, and then we sort of see the like the exodus beginning out of ruined polis. So I don't think, and, and then and then Dioza um, and and Zeke watching from like the bridge of the Elegious ship through their little like computer screen, watching the lines of everyone marching through the desert. I sort of suspect that um, they leave the bunker and don't go back to the bunker or, or the majority of the people do. And maybe some people stay behind. Cause there's a few like, like behind the scenes shots that are like located in and around polis, but we don't know when they happen and they could be as like everyone is heading out. Like there was one picture that we saw that was like Bellamy Clark, Octavia Miller, kind of standing around outside and then there's the max and hug which could be the like a hello or a goodbye if they're heading off in different directions um but after that it sort of seems like um you know it 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 feels plausible that like everyone comes out of the bunker there's some sort of moments that are around that and then basically they take off walking through the desert towards the you know towards the green space and so i feel like anything that happens inside the bunker in the kind of fight club stuff has to be flashbacks up to before the doors opened and that anything else that happens like after that has to be outside of it i think we like leave that location behind and they like are you know fleeing for a new place I think that's so interesting you say that um, because that's like, I really feel like there will be bunker stuff happening after at least Bellamy gets in. And now with this shot, even though obviously, you know what? I actually think this shot happens inside a tent because if you look at the the red stuff, like we've seen a red tent like that. So I don't think they're in the bunker when this guy like births a a male birth fantasy or whatever you said, like, um, (laughs) you know, like I think this is, this is on the road. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. The, yeah, the but, stomach thing is not in the bunker, yeah. but the, I meant, but, I meant but her I fighting. That, yeah. Right. But I also wonder because of the, obviously, the Bellamy Octavia stuff that we're going to be getting mm. to at some point, like that obviously is not happening inside the ring, but it right. looks like it's happening inside a, a house. Like it doesn't look like, it, like it's in a training room. It looks like, like the a bunker. training tent. Yeah. Right. No, it, looks, so, it looks like the walls. Well, and they, you can see the, um, the floor and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and that's banners. definitely the bunker. Yeah. So he gets in before everyone gets out. Yeah, or at least like he gets in, and they don't immediately go like, "Okay, doors are open, let's get out." Right, right. Yeah, yeah. They and he's also standing behind her when she's like, "If they're blah blah blah, then it should be yes. ours." Yeah, 
Yeah. You if, there's one green, if there's one livable spot on Earth, then it's ours. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's behind mm-hmm. her. So, so I think he's nice down there with her. Under. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which is weird. Uh, Unless it's a dream. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, the whole show. <laughs> right, like, we're going to get to the end. And Jason Rothenberg will wake up in bed next to... <laughs> no, or no, maybe not. Maybe Kane, Kane will wake up in bed next to Abby and go like, I had the same <laughs> I'm just going to like, let's and go check there, on our five there. babies. I don't know where we are in, in chronological. We're up to cryopods. Okay. Okay. Who has thought? Okay, well, that's interesting. Cryopods? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, nothing. Uh, I, I yeah, so we have there are cryopods. We have cryopods that we have we have Echo saying, what do we do when they get down to Earth? This is an army, which makes a whole lot more sense now that you pointed out to me what I should have figured out before, which is that the ship that lands and the ship that they see are not the same ship. Because- <laughs> One is much bigger. Um, and then, oh, then we have the the Bellamy and Echo fighting somebody scene. Um, yes. Pretty badass. Yeah, on Eligius, right? Are we, do yeah, we agree on, that this is on Eligius? Yes, yeah. yes. On, on Eligius. It, it looks like yeah, yeah. there's like computer screen stuff in the background that that don't look like the arc. Um and I and I again I am really rooting for a pod slowly opening and a body sitting up like behind them a like horror movie shot I think would be amazing. Yeah. Um, oh, and then and then next is creepy stomach. Um, so we covered creepy stomach. Good, good, excellent, excellent. Well, I think we okay. <laughs> More thoughts? Yeah. So what do we do? We have other other theories about. I know. So I know that there are like a lot of people who are like. It's a very, very obvious homage to Alien. Right. right? Yeah. You see a thing moving around in his stomach and you're like, hey, Ridley Scott. So, like, clearly they're sort of gesturing towards Mm -hmm. that. Um, And I think a lot of people are kind of, like, all in on the, like, oh, look, it's an homage to Alien. So, aliens. Maybe there's, like, alien. Maybe it is an alien. I don't know. Well, we do see those tentacles a little bit later as well. We so, like, I don't know. Yes, when, in a, <laughs> when there's like somebody sets something on fire in a space that looks like I don't, I can't tell if it's the bunker. I mean, it's like definitely like someplace indoors with sort of you know, like fabricated looking walls. So it might be the bunker, and there's like tentacles flapping around. So there's definitely some kind of like weird, inhuman sort of business, but. The question is like I you know what what theories do we have about what that business right. is right um yeah and aliens is one aliens of them. Is one of them. <laughs> I um I, yeah I feel like um I have that was one where I was just like this is so fucking weird and I actually have no idea what's happening which is which I love which is really exciting um I I think the idea that it is potentially related to um torturous medical experimentation that McCreary does. Like if, if that is yeah. Zeke and this is like a guy from Eligius or somebody that McCreary was torturing, who's in need of medical help and they, and maybe Zeke defects and brings him to the good guys or they meet each other in, like they run into each other in some place. Um, like I, I think it, Zeke does seem like, I think he defects at some point and we just don't know when or where. Yeah. Um, and, it, and if, if, if Abby's storyline has something to do is sort of medical in nature and there's some kind, but that could go either way. I mean, it's possible that they bring in, you know, it could be one of those things where it's like, there seems likely that they're linked. So it could be either like we came back from space and this weird shit is happening. So we need a doctor to try to figure it out. So 
Could be aliens. Could be that their night blood is uh, unstable and has mutated in some mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Like, so it's not necessarily like aliens, aliens, but rather like something sort of genetically is happening with night blood that's causing it to well, turn into like black tentacle monsters. Yeah, I mean, it, it, to, <laughs> me, to me, it feels like the fact that they're all night bloods has to become actively plot relevant or there's no point for us to have gotten that detail last season. You know, like, like it's, it's not, it isn't necessary to, like if, if their whole story is like they're stuck in space and they come back from space and it's been 97 years and they're like, what the fuck happened to Earth while we were gone? It isn't necessary for that story to unfold that way, that they be nightblood. So that has to mean something. And it also isn't necessary that we knew when they were in Becca's lab, that they were who Becca invented night blood for. Like, you know, it feels like the fact that it feels like a Chekhov's gun situation. Like the fact that that was mentioned when it was mentioned and the fact that it was hardwired into their storyline makes me feel like something about them being night bloods has to be actively serving a huge part of the A story this season. And maybe it is the motivation for why they want to capture Maddie. um, If they need to like manufacture you know, serum for injections or whatever like that. Maybe it is because, um, like the, who was it? Was it Megan or Amy? One of our friends was saying about like, like being in space, your DNA changes. There was that link that you shared that was about like the identical twins and one went to space and their DNA doesn't match anymore. You know? So the idea that, um, that night blood, which at the time was early and experimental, um, and combined with like maybe no one had tested its long term effects before, and they like um, yeah. and and maybe also no one had tested like the long term effects plus reassimilating to Earth atmosphere out of the sort of relatively um, sanitary and contained environment of spaceship cryopods, you know, in outer space on an asteroid. They've been in very sterile environments, and now they're like. Well, and also high radiation, though. So that's the other right. Thing. So yeah, so they're so they're radiation, uh, you know, yeah. proof basically, um, like landing on Earth, but they might be vulnerable to other things. So I was just gonna say, I really, really like that theory. I didn't mean to like cut off your like theorizing, but I do think that the person who has that thing inside their stomach is a grounder only because they speak uh, trig with uh, subtitles. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Uh, that's true. Right, that's right, true. Yeah. But I still think yeah, it could. I, I still totally one hundred percent agree that the fact mm-hmm. that they have night blood somehow is gonna be important uh, for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think the person, mm-hmm. this grounder, whether you're right, you're right, yeah. Whether it's because they don't have as strong blood that they are reacting mm. to something in the new atmosphere, or it could be like yeah, a, a chemical weapon of the religious. Mm. They could be like biological ah. warfare. Like this is how they fight mm. them. They make it. They make them sick like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. That could yeah. be too. Like they have some kind of like weird parasite thing. The other, I mean, so the grounder thing. Uh, it's unless they like he was a guy who got kidnapped by Elegius to be experimented on or something. Then Maybe the other he just drug from the water me, or something. Well, I was gonna say, what if it's what if it is something that comes from the bunker? You know, mm-hmm. like what if there is something mm-hmm. something contaminates the water supply or the food supply? <gasps> It's Cadigan, guys. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. It's Cadigan. Who was I talking to? Was it you guys I was talking to? Or was this in the cabbie slack where we were talking about the fact, I think it was in the cabbie slack, that um, they refer to the bunker 
as the crypt of Becca Promheta. So Becca's actual body grave, theoretically, it is potentially in there somewhere. And so what if there's some piece of like crazy alley one technology um, that is like um, that they like find in their somewhere um like like another flame and somebody tries to take it and who doesn't have the blood for it or whatever or or some like what if it's what if it's not um like a living organism that's inside this guy it's like some kind of a technology thing that they like uncover because there's yeah, like a becca yeah. vault in- i'm telling you nanobots yes. it could <laughs> be nanobots. Could you know those that like those be- like tentacle yeah. things those like tentacle things yeah. those could be nanobots. well and and because of it in the fire and the fire with the weird tentacles or whatever they are um I don't know that I would swear to this in a court of law, but it looked like that room was um, the temple that the bunker door opens out into because it looked like tipped over part of the shuttle. Like there's, there's like a, it was like a big smooth rounded kind of piece of metal off to the corner side that just for a second, I was like, Oh, that looks like um, Becca's pod. Yeah. Oh my God, what if, what if, what if the fire, that fire shot is a flashback to Cadigan and Becca? Oh my God, I hope it's a flashback. I mean, like, what if that's like a, from the ashes we will rise? Yeah. Oh my God. Like they're burning something. Yes. Yes. What if, (laughs) what if that's how Becca dies? Is he like burns her alive and then like. And she turns into a tentacle. Monster. Well, no, I see here. I didn't. I I did not think those were tentacle monsters. I thought that they were snapped electrical cords, and it was an electrical fire, and they were kind of exploding. But uh, but I like I like the idea that they're tentacles. So I'm willing to roll with you on that. But although, actually, you know what? Because if he did, hmm, if he did like burn her body. Mm. Well, I don't know. I was like, what if that's what like Nightblood with the flame in it does when it's being mm. burned? But we don't see a body yeah, there. So I don't know. Really no, um, no. Also, it would be like super weird if it turned out that like all the commanders when they because we all know we know all the commanders get uh um uh what should we call it cremated? But there's a word for oh. it. cremated. Thank you. Uh, but it would be a little bit weird if to find out like oh they all turn into yeah. <laughs> really so. That seems unlikely. <laughs> but you know what we also yeah. see though, is we get like a very brief glimpse at uh, right around the, the fire thing. We get a grounder running into the red tent. This may or may not be yes. a grounder yeah, that yeah, ends yeah. up yeah. suffering from yeah. that thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, okay, so next thing we have is... Some kind of, anyway, sorry. Oh, good. Go on. What? No, he's just carrying like some kind of little. I think he's carrying like a like a boomstick or something. I think he's trying to. This is really interesting. If you guys look at it, like the tent, the tent He's running into the tent and he's carrying a, a stick that's on fire. So I wonder what's going on. Oh, there. ah, well, because the fire looked to me like it was set by somebody. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. So that's probably like what that fire is. Oh yeah, it's like in the tent. Um. Oh, maybe they're burning that guy. Could be. Yeah. It, like if it's if it's a contagion yeah. thing, yeah. Like if it yeah. really was a disease yeah. or something like that, and they're like lighting it on fire to, you know, quarantine basically whatever the creepy stomach 
craziness was. I like that idea. Yeah. Uh, um, so the next thing that we see after that is um, Murphy with a gag in his mouth being shoved into a room that McCreary is in and then Raven in the shot collar. Oh, no. So is McCreary in there as well? Yeah. I just saw Zeke. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. Um, yes. Zeke and um, and a couple of like just generic Eligious guards like kind of shove. It goes by really quickly. Um, so I didn't notice it when I was watching it. I only saw Raven. But then when I watched it in the screen caps, I was like, oh, that's Murphy. And he's like gagged. Um, and someone is shoving him towards McCreary. So it's like McCreary was in there with Raven and then they bring Murphy in, I think is what that oh, was no. That's going to be horrifying. Yeah. But then we also see Zeke like point a gun perhaps at mm-hmm. Raven. And this this looks like it's on the arc, doesn't it? Yeah, the the Zeke the it Zeke thing is yeah. definitely spliced in from a different scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and but like yeah. he looks like so he's on the be, arc. I mean, he could be pointing at Yeah, he could be pointing at at McCreary. Yeah. Like this could be he could be like detecting. This could be when he turns. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because Maybe of his love for Raven, yeah, for sure. With- yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Cause yeah, he's, um, it, he's either on the arc. I mean, maybe in the bunker or maybe in a different part of the ship and just not the big fancy ship in space that we see the space crew in. Like maybe the actual ship that lands has some sort of jankier parts of it, but it's definitely not like lighting or whatever the same. And he's also doesn't look like he's wearing a, a prison uniform. He just looks like he's wearing like a button-down shirt. You know what? Actually, he looks like he's wearing like a cop uniform. Ooh. He has like a badge-looking thing. I'm putting up on, the screen cap. Kind of. Although it might just be like a patch on his it could be. jacket. I don't know. It's just he like also has a tattoo that I'm really interested in knowing more about because I can't make it out from the screen cap at all. But remember too that he's not a prisoner for sure because they like in his description they said yeah, that yeah. he was like a space explorer, you know. Like, and, and she calls yes, him yes, he's mm-hmm. a daredevil. He was like like the, yeah, the male and she rhythm. calls him <laughs> lieutenant. So yeah. like yeah. So he so what he's doing on this ship and what he thinks of Dioza and McCreary's methods is something I think will be very interesting to see. For sure, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I ship um, already. Yeah. I know, me too. <laughs> it's going to be like sort of disappointing. We're just like, man, I like made I that up out of their nowhere, wedding. out what of the nothing. Hell? <laughs> <laughs> I paid deposits, Jason. <laughs> uh, so the- and then after that, we see, we see Monty, Monty at the rover. By the rover. <gasps> yeah. And, and waving at somebody. Person? What if he's the first person that like Clark yeah. sees or something? Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, that would you know like I would be yeah. I would be here for that. I would be yeah. so yeah. here for that. After you know, especially after they they had conflict <laughs> last season that never, you know, that never totally got well. I guess a little bit, but you know, they kind of had the conflict last season, and and you know, like Monty was one of Clark's first allies in season one. So I I want I want me a nice Monty. Yeah. Well, and, and we get a little, like, it's it's like almost like a little mini Monty Clark montage because we get him in the desert by the rover and then we get the cut to Clark crying in the forest and then we get Monty again with his line about, like, if the last survivable valley, if we can't get the last survivable valley on Earth without fighting a war, then maybe we don't deserve it. Um, so, so the juxtaposition yeah. of... You know, it's like Clark Monty, Clark Monty, Clark Monty. So I was just like, I was intrigued by like the pairing of them together. And like, ooh, does this sort of 
hint at or foreshadow that their relationship is going to, um, is going to have a moment this season, which I would be really hyped for. I love, I love um, the idea of that. Yeah. And then we get Dioza executing somebody in the forest while Zeke watches, um, in what appears to be disapproval. Um, then we, yes. And then and we then, a tiny, <laughs> tiny, tiny little snippet yep. of Bellamy busting into a room with a gun. I know. Now, the same did scene. you? <laughs> no, I remembered this, but you said you didn't remember this. But um, I didn't remember. I didn't remember it, but it's also possible. I mean, well, and why so fast? It's possible I did not. Yeah. Here, so here's was. what I think. Maybe because so what I remembered seeing was like Bellamy breaking through a door with a gun. And I don't know, either I didn't catch that it was Clark or potentially they added more, like maybe we only got like a shorter snippet of it before where it was like Bellamy and somebody, because I definitely felt like watching it. I was like, oh, that's obviously Clark. And I didn't have that moment the first time. But I rem- but I feel like I remember seeing like, mm him sneaking around but yeah so then that it's opens up a so ton fast of- and dark and stuff that you yeah, yeah yeah it yeah yeah very dark yeah, yeah yeah and we only we only saw it twice in january and you know so i it's entirely possible it was there and i just it, and like i you know you might have noticed bellamy busting in and i might have seen mm. like clark's hair and, and we didn't like put together yeah put it together so yep yeah and like it's so dark like there's it's impossible to tell what room they're going into yeah. any other context, yeah so who knows but yes, yes, they get it. They get to go on an adventure together. Um, and then we get this whole sequence on the bridge of the Elegious transport ship where we get to see um, the thing about, you know, their fanatics are soldiers and the sort of little friction between Charmaine and Zeke. So the thing that I was really intrigued by, um, although I guess it makes more sense, you know, thinking about the context of, of, the big ship and the landing ship and kind of whatever. But, um, but so the topographical map of the landscape that Zeke is looking at has polis marked on it. And so, so, so at some point, so it has a polis and it has green space and kind of the distance between them. So the fact that they know that there is a place called polis and they know that it's significant enough that they've got it marked on their map. I was trying to sort of figure out like, do they know about it from like torturing Murphy and Raven? Does that happen up on the ship before they get sent down to earth? Like how, and what be gone? Oh, so, so like they, they, I'm just trying to figure out, like I was, or I was intrigued by, um, you know, when in this season does this moment happen and what has preceded it that they've flagged Polis as a place that exists that is important, Uh presumably because that's where the people are coming from. If our theory about them being, uh, binged back towards earth and being awoken from cryo sleep when Clark starts sending messages, uh, is true then they would begin having information about Polis like six years ago. And they would Mm -hmm. have been able to, like when they began waking up, like whenever that Mm -hmm. was, they would have been able to piece together from her messages all of this really key information. I like this theory because I like the idea that they already have this information about all these characters before we they meet mm-hmm. you know yeah. they have all this uh they they have like yeah. like uh, charmaine said they have the weapons they have the blah 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 and they have the information through clark mm-hmm. um but presumably yeah, like yeah, even yeah. if that's not the case even if they woke up like even if they were maybe programmed to return at this point because becca like 
she might have foreseen the second apocalypse for all we know. Like they mm. might have been planned to return or if Ali Tech, you know, a- any way that they returned, they have such superior technology. And we saw in the uh, intro credits, those scans of Polis that suggest that they mm-hmm. like, are oh, yeah. able to not only see the surface, but see below the surface. So mm-hmm. I feel like that, like one of those things is probably why, but like the, it, the, it being Clark would like, I would prefer that just because I feel like it would be more emotional, but um, but yeah, mm. it would be kind of like an amazing irony if it, if Clark thinks that to she's Bellamy, talking, giving them all mm-hmm. this information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And they yeah. know how and, she feels and, about yeah. everyone too. And they can use that against right. her. Right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, like they, even if they see Bellamy and then somebody calls them by their name and they're okay. like, oh, yeah. 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 Well, and, they, and then they would know who Raven was and that Raven is not just important, but that Raven yeah. is the engineering brain who knows everything about the ship exactly Oof. exactly yeah. yikes <laughs> to sum up yikes. yes so then okay so then there's more She's then there's mccree um then there's oh then the fire that picture actually looks like um oh, like the opening credits if you notice like the topographical map That's yeah yeah yeah. It does. yeah i was just thinking that it looks like it was kind of like puts a whole different spin on like I know. who's been watching them. Yeah, them yeah, I definitely think that the the yeah. opening credits are sort of like from the point of view of Elogius's equipment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, I speaking of like, so we uh, we get the little thing of Mercury talking to uh, Dioza. I love his, you know, hard. <gasps> Being a visionary when no one else can see, and she says, "I know oh, my, my life." I'm just like, "Do oh you guys think that?" Oh, I that was when I lost my heart to Charmaine Dioza. I know. I love that. I love like how what it implies about her. But I was just going to ask if you think. I mean, it's unlikely because of the lighting and stuff. But do you think there's any chance that this is a misdirect and he's actually talking to Kane? Ooh. Oh, interesting. That would be like I don't trust amazing. anything in this trailer, you guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, right? Yeah, exactly. Anytime yeah. there's a cut, I'm like, all right. What are I'm you? God, I love, I love the idea that that McCreary will be talking to Kane. That would be like he's a amazing. visionary, and nobody can see what he's, yeah. you know, visioning. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I although, it works either way. I, anyway, I mean, like knowing McCreary, I, it seems like he would have to be saying that sarcastically since we know mercury is like right. a sociopath and kane's vision is yeah like, yeah peace. but it but it does but i like it because it uh, it it feeds I mean, my angsty awful. little heart that sort of views the entirety of the show as like the shakespearean tragedy of marcus kane man who keeps building yeah. things that can get destroyed by other people <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> he's like please just peace <laughs> like for instance his nice clean floor that <laughs> covering in blood. He's like, Octavia, I just mopped this morning. <laughs> I'm a visionary, Octavia. <laughs> I envision a clean bunker. <laughs> uh, and then speaking of which, I guess then the next thing that we get is him flying through the air with his shield and his battle axe onto the bloody floor that, oh yeah. yeah yeah which um his, did shield, you, his shield that looks like the like the lid to a trash can see 
Did, the Kane janitor <laughs> theory is going strong. Did you guys listen to the um, when the aficionados interviewed Anthony, the props guy, which was like so fucking delightful? Um, but he he apparently he was talking about like the process of designing all the weapons and stuff, and um, and that they like you know from I think like season one onward um, were like, please let us make shields. Like we want to make shields so bad they'll be so cool, and everyone's like, no, like is it so hard to fight with them? And they're so and like the like production company like no. No, 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 we don't need and they were like, please, we want to make shields. No, you can't make shields. Um, and so then <laughs> with dial dimerily, when they had like all the sort of different, like everyone had different sets of weapons and stuff, and they were like, All right, fine, you can make some shields. And they were like, Yes! And Anthony was like so pumped. Um, so when I when I saw the trailer <laughs> and I was like, Oh my god, that's right, Kane has a shield, and I was like, Anthony must be so happy. I wonder if you got to make it himself. Um <laughs> but, like they were talking about like like you know, Roan's shield and then one of the other whichever one of the other grounders um, in, in Dial had a shield and like, because they're talking about like the process of like what they're made of, like what materials would that clan have access to based on where geographically they're supposed to live. And so like some of them are more sort of like rural, like ice nations, a lot of wood and things like that. But like, um, you know, other clans that are more like, like things are in polis have a lot of metal. There's a lot of copper cause it's a more urban environment. Um, so, uh, so that sort of made me think like, you know, did people bring weapons into, into the bunker, which seems like the kind of thing that Octavia would probably have policed pretty heavily. Um, or are some of these things like going to be, you know, crazy scrap metal manufactured from bunker wreckage stuff, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. which is, which is sort of, you know, badass and crazy, but yeah. So, so Kane's got a, got a really jangy looking battle ax and a giant ass shield and goes flying through the air and it is crazy. Guys, like, this, this theory about Kane being a janitor puts the phrase <laughs> Marcus Kane trash, like gives that a whole yeah. Now, now what I, all I really want, like what I really, really want out of a Kane and Bellamy scene in season five is talking about like Kane being like, so when you became a janitor, Alfred floated your mother and Bellamy's like, yeah, Kane's like, when you have to get out of bloodstains, what did you use on the art? Cause man, I just could never get that formula right. Like having like, like shop talk, janitor shop talk between. Oh my God. That would be amazing. I would love that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so then we've got um so Abby Kane fighting Cabby. and then the cabbie scene. Um, so so I um obviously um have I'm full of thoughts and feelings and emotions and sentiments and opinions and suspicions and fears about um this little moment here but what i like about it um other than that it's a nice look at abby's super hot gray hair streak um which i'm into but i um <laughs> i'm something that i'm super interested in and i mentioned this before a little bit when you're talking about um clark and bellamy is i'm really psyched for what appears to potentially be just based on the things we've heard at cons and the stuff in the trailer um what could be a fascinating kind of Kane and Abby inversion, like a flip of their season one dynamics where Abby is now the ruthless, like we do what we have to do to survive. We can't afford to be sentimental about this. You know, like she's maybe potentially more, even a little bit in line with, um, 
with Octavia's mindset of like, you know, the things that you have to do to keep the peace and keep your people alive, you know, like that's, that becomes a priority. And that Kane is the one who is like, we don't have to be like this. We don't have to do this. This isn't who we are um, in the way that she really was for him in the first season and going into the second season. I mean, like, we don't have to do this down here. Like we don't have to be these people. Um, and, and Jason said when we, when we interviewed him that, um, that we would get, if, if not, he didn't say flashbacks, so it might not be flashbacks, it might just be sort of discussion, but that we would learn more about um, the really terrible things that they had to do to survive back on the arc that we didn't see, which could be things in like, you know, in conversation between Kane and Abby, Kane and Abby and Jaha, Jaha and Octavia. Um, but I'm really interested in the ways in which this could potentially kind of um, trigger some very troubling and uncomfortable memories for Kane of things that Kane had to do on the arc that he now, you know, feels very differently towards and is watching Abby kind of, you know, becoming more in that sort of mindset. So I'm just really interested in like where I think, you know, I think it's setting up for what could be a, a really cool kind of narrative inversion of what their dynamic was in the first season. And that he has to be the one that kind of helps like bring her out of that and kind of back to the light, you know, because also at this point, and like she, she thinks her daughter is dead. So she's a whole different Abby from the Abby that we have seen before, you know, who was so driven by like Clark as kind of a motivating force for hope. And now she's lost that, you know? Um, so yeah. So I'm really interested in kind of what, um, what their dynamic ends up being now that Abby is sort of like gone dark a little bit. Abby joined the goth kids yes. and Kane joined the kids who play. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't see eye to eye anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I think, I think that seems definitely like what they're setting up here, which, um, you know, it makes me wonder a little bit, uh, as always with this, with preseason stuff, you know, like the trailer and, and other things, there's always a kind of question of like, how much of of the stuff that they're kind of explicitly, most explicitly setting up now, um, I mean, I guess in the past, the stuff that they most explicitly set up leading into the season, like, it seems like it's usually, like, the first three or four episodes worth of Yeah, exactly. Um, and it sort of shifts away. So I do sort of wonder, like, how, whether that sort of dynamic is, um, if that's a season-long issue for mm-hmm. them, or if that's a kind of, like, where they start. And, and how much it evolves um, from there, you know, depending on, like, what other other developments happen for either or both. Yeah, I... I definitely, I definitely think it's, it's where they start. And I think that it is um, like, I think, I think their relationship between the two of them in the bunker is going to be extremely fraught and messy, partly because we know of like how it begins with like, that we'll see later when we get to the hug montage of like, you know, her, her waking up and, you know, and he's all like soft and happy and like, you're so I'm, you're alive. I'm so glad. And she's staring at him. Like, what the fuck did you do? You know, like (laughs) rage in her eyes. Um, (laughs) He's like, you're happy. You're alive. I'm so happy. And she's like, I'm alive. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Like I did not ask for this. And you're just like, Oh, he's, he's, he's so like, he's just so 
relieved that she's okay and he has no idea that like she not only didn't ask for it she like explicitly asked for the yes and and Paige and Paige said you know she's like yeah like that that's gonna get dealt with and the you know and the ramifications of her brain damage are gonna be or her injury are gonna be dealt with and the fact that she has a lot of feelings about you know her agency having been removed and also that she um very probably thinks that she's never going to see Clark again. And so all of these different forces are, you know, totally like fucking with her head. But so, yeah, so I think that the, I think what we see of them in, in flashbacks up through when the bunker door opens, I think, um, you know, I think that there probably will be like moments of, you know, like kind of, moving back together and then apart and then together and apart. Like there's a hug. Like we saw the hug, the bunker hug um, in that picture that Jason posted a little while ago. So we know, like, so it's not like they're not like enemies, you know, but there's, but there's big, messy, complicated new stuff kind of going on in their relationship. But I do think that um, I think it's going to be something that like, you know, she's clearly like Abby's going on her own, journey this season you know the thing that the one sort of definitive thing that we've heard from everyone that we've talked to and everything that we've heard at you know cons and stuff is that this year like Paige is amazing and what and what abby the journey that abby goes on everyone is like oh my god it's fucking unreal you know so um so extreme things are going to happen and we know almost nothing about what Kane's arc is going to be like no one has mentioned that so much which makes me feel like it's probably highly spoilery you know um but um like what his kind of individual journey is that that he you know sort of goes on i don't really know so much but um but yeah but i i think i very strongly suspect slash hope um that they end this season in a very different place where they started but i think that they're going to definitely go through a lot of a lot of angst which is very exciting yeah um speaking of angsty moms next we have indra and gaia Oh my god! I I was so happy. That, sorry, we're just going to say the same thing that this was in the trailer. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right? That's exactly what I was yes. Say. yes. Yes. Because I was not that at all, and like I wasn't expecting Gaia to come back. I wasn't expecting her to be prominent. Everyone's talking about how great Gaia is this season. She was in the damn trailer. I'm so happy. Yes. I know. Me too. And and uh, Indra's line about you know real warriors hate war. Um, it, it's really, it, it doesn't necessarily look like, you know, the shot of Indra and the shot of Gaia actually go together. You know, mm-hmm. it's possible. It's hard to say, but I thought it was interesting that it, that Indra said, you know, real warriors hate war, um, to have Indra say that because, uh, you know, given the, the way that this trailer kind of sets up, like there's something of a theme developing here or a conflict developing here about, certain characters who are, you know, very gung-ho about war in some way, or, or at least kind of just like, well, we got to do this, so we got to do this, and characters who are much more reluctant, you know, or who are more sort of inclined to look for ways to avoid it. And this suggests that perhaps Indra might be, you know, more on the um, latter mm-hmm. side. Well, it's really interesting, and I do not remember, I was like frantically Googling it, I do not remember who said this, but either... um Anya or Lexa or Rowan. <laughs> I don't know why I don't remember who it, who it was, but said that like nobody wants war. And it was like a really prominent yeah. like, warrior type character. I feel like it was Anya, but I'm like, no, I'm not 100%. I, I feel like it was Anya uh-huh. too. Now that you say that, I'm like, I remember and Anya I remember saying being that. I surprised by that because I was like, well, clearly, like, what yeah. are you doing here? Like, you are f- literally like rushing to fight, but 
it's not about the war. It's about something else. And I feel like in, it makes sense that Indra mm. would be spouting kind of like the same sentiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Or no, that's it was true. Echo. But it really not is Echo? Sorry. Oh, maybe. Like cut it all silent. Mm. But like maybe it was an Echo in season uh. who was like, nobody wants war. When, it, when talking to Bellamy in uh, Tinderbox. Okay, someone's going to have to correct us on this. But like, some grounder yeah, who likes war suddenly said, I don't <laughs> like war. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it reminded yeah, me of this really, moment. Which was really interesting. Yeah. But it was interesting to me that it was that this is, you know, Gaia, or excuse me, Indra saying it to Gaia. Yeah, yeah. Because um, Gaia's know, not a war Considering that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, so, and, and it's sort of, Again, this is one of those things where it could be it could be like the context of the the trailer makes it look like it's the opposite context, but it looks like Gaia is, you know, in favor of war or or is more kind of like heading into it and, and Indra says um and Indra's against it. And you know, Gaia looks very upset and she, what does she say? She says um it's my choice to make or something it's like that. It's not my choice to make. Oh, it's not my choice yeah. to make. Is that what she yeah. says? She uh, says, okay. um, "Oh, which implies the decision isn't mine to make." Uh, so they okay. might be talking about Octavia. I was gonna say that suggests that it would be Octavia, and so then it would come down to like, what if Indra disapproves of Octavia's choice, and Indra uh-huh. is like defecting, and Gaia is the one at this point who's like ride or die for the commander. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Which would be very, very yeah. interesting, you know, and and it's and kind of again like an interesting way of sort of like. Uh, you know, one thing that Jason has said is like people's people's loyalties. You know, the people that they're going to be willing to like fight for and die for, or whatever, are going to be shifting around, and and um, that would be another kind of like fracture point that would be fascinating because we haven't really seen. Uh, you know, it, it's like surprising that Gaia would would side with Octavia over Indra, um, or that Indra would turn on Octavia. But then again, like Indra has that very very strong sense of like honor you know, and of like what's right and wrong for a warrior to do. And so if she thinks that Octavia is, you know, rushing into something and it might not be war against Allegius, it might be, it might have something to do with like, if the fight club isn't a fight club, but it's something like a, um, a conclave, mm-hmm. you know, that, that right, could potentially right. be something that, yeah, that like, that Indra would be like, this is like a bastardization of something and we shouldn't be doing it in Gaia's, yeah. like, more into it. Also, P.S. Tati looks yeah. amazing. Really Tati does. looks amazing. She is one of my favorite, <laughs> like, time jump makeover new. Like, I like the braids also were fantastic, but she looked, when we saw her at Unity Days without, like, short blonde hair, and everyone kept being like, oh my God, I wonder if that's her new look. And, and we knew that it was, but we couldn't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> one thing while we're just talking about um, Indra and Gaia and their various influences on Octavia that I want to just mentioned because it hasn't come up at all is um and i don't know if there's anything to read into it or not but there is zero nyla in this trailer i know Ah, and and so so speaking of people whose whose um influence on or relationship with octavia i'm i'm intrigued by we continue we have no idea what you know because they had like a little sort of like connection kind of moment um in you know in season four where it was pretty clear like you know octavia like 
views Nyla as her people is sort of like you're you know one of us and they and they have the connection even going all the way back to um nevermore so so I just wonder um you know what what is <laughs> what is so spoilery about what Nyla is up to or what her relationship here is or how she's changed over six years that we have seen none of it and Jess has not really said much of anything that you can kind of hang your hat on so that's just like a big interesting open question mark that I have because I feel like we have no information. Like, is she a warrior now too, which would be fucking crazy. Or yeah. I mean, it makes me worry for her. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or she's dead, which would be horrible. Or (laughs) no. (laughs) Let's hope not. No, 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 no. dead Nyla. Maybe she's just like, yeah. Maybe she's just like not doing anything dramatic. (laughs) That sounds like like Nyla. She's probably yeah. like if that she's like if Alice. if they're going by season four, then she's probably in the medical thing, like with Abby and Jackson, right? Probably. So oh, that's, that's where she true. is. Don't yeah. worry, guys. She's like <laughs> Brian's she's in, there. She's too. in medical. She's doing. <laughs> she's doing a uh, cuddle therapy. Yep. She's <laughs> <laughs> like people come in when they get stressed out. They could lay down, and she's. <laughs> <laughs> They need it. They really need it. Down Octavia should really avail herself of that more. I, probably, I think. 100% think that she should. Yes. Somebody needs a hug. <laughs> Wasn't there... Well, let's go back to nap theory. When was Oh, that? yeah. Was nap theory. Oh, she's lying down in the trailer. <laughs> maybe that's her nap. Oh, maybe. It does not look like a voluntary yeah. nap. It looks like they somebody drugged her and then she woke up and she was like, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so on Blake's Blake, sibling montage, the most mis- Blake's sibling thing in the whole life. trailer, according to Twitter, the most, the most misleading loving. potentially thing in the whole trailer. Oh, People have so many theories yeah. about this. Well, yeah, and I like I've looked at it very closely. It's definitely not the same. It's not the arena. Yeah. Wherever that yeah. fight club stuff yeah. is happening, it's definitely in a different place. It looks much more like a private room. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like throne room or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or like a, or like a, um, a, or like a training oh, like a room. Yeah. Room or something. It kind of, yeah, a training room. So it looks like, it does not look to me from that, it, it looks like a misdirect in, con- in context. Like, mm-hmm. It feels like it was definitely intended to look like, oh my God, are the Blake siblings fighting each other to the death, like in mm-hmm. some other situations. And so, and I think they're not, they look like they might, it's more like they might be training. Yeah. So I, so, so I have a couple of thoughts on this. One is the, the sort of, I guess the most dour um, is does like, if, if we're right that, um, they open the bunker door, but they don't leave right away. So there's some extended period of time, however long, that Bellamy's in the bunker with them. Like if Bellamy does something that is against, you know, Octavia's super rigid, strict bunker, you know, Exodus Charter Constitution or whatever, um, and the fighting ring is how people who commit transgressions are punished and she can't make an exception to her, you know, sort of draconian one crew policies just for her own brother. So he has to fight, but she's maybe training him in or, or, or sparring with him in grounder combat. Um, but he has some pretty fly moves, um, like this sort of sweep the leg thing, yeah. which which definitely seems to support the, the theory that Echo's been training everybody while they've been like sure. bored yeah, on the arc, sure. you know. Um, yes. And... Uh, 
I really want yes. that montage. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really want that montage of like like Echo's like Ice Nation warrior classes. But I, but also because I, I think what that sort of potentially indicates that could be really fascinating is us getting to see characters who fight who we've never seen fight like that. Like, was she also training Harper and Monty? Was she also training Raven? You know, like, does everybody come back down to earth with this yeah. whole other set Definitely of like Raven. assassin level skills? Yeah, well, we yeah. Raven, yeah. I'm pretty I sure we've yeah. heard Raven fighting, like learning to yeah. fight. So that, yeah, yeah again, Echo's yeah. definitely and, been and, and Echo being somebody who is like such a skilled warrior would know exactly how to um, how to coach Raven, you know, how to work around her physical limitations. You know, like, yeah. like she would know, like, how do you, if you only have one leg that you can use, what, what do you do? Like, she's so physically able and she's so experienced and skilled. Um, you know, fighting with injuries is probably something that she has had to do before. So I just kind of love the idea of like Echo, the like warrior mentor teaching Raven, like another way for Raven to feel like she's not constrained by her body because she's like, here's a way that you can, fight and be like awesome and tough and badass in a way that like you know you're not you're not diminished in any way by this injury that you have um and what's like so cool cool. about that too in terms of this bellamy thing and i said this on twitter too is that it would be kind of like poetic justice in a sick sort of way that bellamy is able to beat octavia because he was trained by the only person who ever beat octavia in combat Mm mm-hmm yeah, because yeah, he yeah. he lays her out on her back. He is not going easy on her, and he like takes her down in that clip, which is a fascinating choice. Of of that's the clip that they show us is like Bellamy like knocking his sister flat on her back, and and all the yeah. sort of psychological implications <laughs> of mm-hmm. like this is a Bellamy who's done coddling his little sister. This is a Bellamy who is like in some way kind of definitively cut the cord of that must protect little sister at all costs yeah. thing. Well, and him, and him saying to her, you know, we all have things to answer for is also kind of like, especially after a couple of seasons of him sort of mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. her punching yes. bag in terms of like, you know, wallowing in his guilt yeah. is, you know, him kind of standing up and saying like, you know, look, I made mistakes. You, you have, have to, yeah. have to deal with it. Yeah. 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 Which makes me sort of wonder if they aren't, I mean, it's possible Bellamy broke the rules and, and she's training him for something else. It, it also makes me kind of wonder if it isn't like they have different, you know, like Bellamy wants to do one thing Octavia wants to be, do yeah. that, maybe with regards to the green place. And so, and, and Octavia is like, well, down here, we fight for Yeah, it, that's know? my like, theory fight, as well. Yeah, I think that might be what yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. And so, like, this is this way of, like, convincing her to do what he wants her to do. Right, exactly, exactly. And I think it, it seems like with that line, you know, it seems like this is definitely, like, a physical fight during which they're also kind of, like, working out their psychological baggage, which is super yeah, cool. Yeah, super cool. Like, well, because I, I, I um, in analyzing the screen caps, he definitely says, like, that we all have things to answer for. I I do not think that is a splice. Like, I think you can still see the red yeah, banners no. behind them. Like, I think that is that is in that moment and not stitched in from somewhere else, which means that, like, those yes. things are linked together, which I find just wonderful. And I'm so excited. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, of course, it could be, could also be just that 
that that Octavia is like, Bellamy, you're a bad fighter. Like, you're not going to do blah, blah, blah yeah. thing. And yeah, he's yeah. like, bum, <laughs> 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 yeah. you know? like, yeah, It doesn't exactly. need to be super he's menacing. He's like, jokes on yeah. you. <laughs> when I got bored in school, yeah. I um, <laughs> We were joking on Twitter that, like, Bellamy spent six years in space going on, like, you know, endless fetch quests and has thus maxed out his fighting and his wisdom <laughs> experience points. He gets to the ground and everybody's like, what? <laughs> uh, so it could be that. It, it just, I think it's really interesting because it, you know, the, the shot of Octavia saying, you know, if there's one livable place on earth, it's ours. And Bellamy standing behind her. It seems like, you know, if this is, they're sort of fighting over making a decision. Is that, is that afterwards and who won? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it does kind of seem like that might come after they've had this little like, you know, fight. <sighs> I things, then I think so because that that her like with the that look like her you know the short hair the red eyeshadow the sort of like you know armor that's her like strutting out of the bunker like that's her end of the time jump kind of you know styling with the red hood and stuff um and and that I think is her um like that all that all feels just sort of like the way she looks like that's all happening i think later and in the context of sort of whatever's going on with the like elegia stuff so i feel like the fight like i almost want it to be if not really early on in the reunion like very shortly after like while everything is still a giant like he's like who the fuck are you and what have you been doing under here and why is the floor covered in blood (laughs) like what the the hell kind of she's like the floor is covered in blood because Because, yeah his cane is not as good at his job as you are um but uh um yeah side note i think the the uh the like level of makeup that um uh, Octavia is <laughs> at the end of this time jump supports a theory that I've long had, which is that Polis stands on top of an ancient abandoned, uh, like Sephora. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Sephora. Exactly. <laughs> and that that's, that's where, that's where the endless supply of black eyeliner <laughs> that, um, the, grounder women are wearing comes from and that and so wherever the bunker is God. they have access it's to cold that <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's cold and dust and blood yeah. that's how you get that look <laughs> yeah that we were t- i was i prefer to think that it's like the ancient sephora and octavia when okay. she was really boring <laughs> was just like experimenting with <laughs> I was talking to Sam and Brittany about that last night and about like you know like you know Maddie meeting they were saying like you know like Maddie meets Octavia and she's like oh my god where did you get your eyeshadow and Octavia's like oh it's the blood of my enemies <laughs> yeah <laughs> but literally okay. and then she's like oh no no that's actually that's an urban <laughs> <thing> from <laughs> <laughs> what's what's Trigetta slang for Sephora? <laughs> I feel like it would just be something like oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sephora. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Love it. Sephora. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, uh, oh, so then we get okay. So then we have the Bellamy Indra Octavia 
moment, which I think is a splice where we see her saying like, your brother loves you. And then she says, love is weakness, which I don't necessarily know that we know that comes from the same moment. That could be from anywhere. But it's interesting Um, that she says that, like whoever she's saying it to, whatever the context is. And that she says it over or leading into this beautiful Clark Maddie reunion. Um, Yeah. And Clark is happy. Um, and it's interesting that she's Clark is so happy. Clark's so <laughs> yes. happy in the trailer, you guys. It just like warms my heart. And it's always at Maddie. Therefore, Maddie must be protected at all costs. Yeah. The, the reunion and then the You're My Family thing. I was just like, oh my God, I have so many Maddie feels. The interesting thing about uh, Love is Meekness 2 coming from Octavia is that that was Lexa's line. Yeah. Which suggests that perhaps, like, it suggests to me or it sort of seems to confirm. That that is like flamekeeper doctrine, you know. That's like the thing that perhaps Gaia has been preaching to. I am pretty Gaia sure. Yeah, meantime. I'm pretty sure that Titus said those words to Lexa yeah. at some point in season three. Yeah. So I'm yeah. pretty sure yeah. that that's where yeah. that comes from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that Gaia would be potentially the one, you know, in standing in that stead who becomes Octavia's sort of flamekeeper, and if it's Gaia who says it yeah. to her or Indra. I would love to see both Octavia and Gaia have to sort of like confront that belief, you know, because like, like I think Gaia, I think, you know, it might, it might've been easy for her to believe something like that when her mother wasn't right in front of her, but it'd be really interesting to see, you know, Gaia sort of struggling with like love is weakness when like, you know, she loves her mother. Um, and is that really a weakness? Uh, and then Octavia with her brother or perhaps Gaia and Octavia are in love. Oh my God. I ship it with my whole entire heart. It's canon accepted. Yes. Well, yes. <laughs> something else about something else about love is weakness that I think is really that I that I am just kind of mulling over the way I mull over all of the kind of um, mantra things that the grounders say is um, you know is sort of wondering now that we know that the grounders are descended from Cadigan's cult, essentially. Like we've seen like their iconography is the same. They're, you know, the 12 seals, all that kind of stuff. Like we know that there's a connection. We don't know how it all came about because we haven't like seen it, but it's it's indicated in the stuff we've already seen pretty clearly. So then that sometimes makes me wonder the things that they repeat that are um, like, and like things like blood must have blood and love was weakness that we kind of see here reiterated all the time. It just makes me wonder, you know, like if you trace that that sentiment back to its origin, um, did it originally mean something different and where did it come from? You know, like how do these sort of how do these things kind of enter the ground or lexicon? You know, like um uh so so that's something that I just sort of I I you know, in the context that we hear Titus use it, you know, it it makes sense like what he's saying is essentially like, you know, that the commander can't afford to have um individual relationships with any individual person because you have to be able to sort of like neutrally serve the whole. Um, But, but I just, but I wonder the way I wonder about all of those things, like, is that what it became interpreted to mean? And it's something that Becca said, or that Cadigan said, or that existed somewhere else, you know, and, and once had a different meeting, you know, and I don't know if we'll ever know that, but um, yeah, yeah. but I do, but I do wonder. Yeah. But you know, and it's kind of related to, 
um, kind of that, that thing about those phrases sort of coming to get different meaning and stuff is something that I actually really love about this trailer. And it's one of the criticisms that I've seen of it. And it's weird to me because it's one of the things I love most about it is how all of these stock phrases are now coming out of other people's mouths. Like these are all the things we've heard coming out of people we never expected to say them. And that's like Octavia saying love is weakness. You never would have seen that coming. Yeah. Um, and Claire saying there support. are no good guys, you know, Abby being the, Kane saying, what have we done? And Abby being yeah. the one that says what we had to do to survive, Monty which is a real an Abby line. Yeah. Like all of that stuff. Yeah. I think that's really, really, really interesting because it reframes everyone. Yeah. And it, and it gives us a real sense that like, you know, like I know with like, Six years is a long time. Take a shot, you know, but, <laughs> um, but that, but that not just in terms of sort of the like shuffling the deck of everybody's, you know, relationships, but that like they've become people who's, who sort of are located at different points on the kind of ethical spectrum than when we left them. That's something I'm really interested to see, you know, like what, um, yeah. when, with a moral conundrum that's similar to one they've made before, but six years have turned them into somebody who would make an entirely different choice. Like that's the kind of shit that time jumps are amazing for, you know, like um, that's, that's what I'm really excited about that kind of stuff. And also, I mean, I think it's just like a cool way of, I mean, like these, these phrases, they don't, you know, like when we, when we like take quotes or sayings or whatever like they don't mean the same thing to everybody you know and so i think there's a kind of there's an interesting way that where the show really kind of like takes these their own sort of like thesis statements and then like turns them upside down and twists them around and says okay what if you put them over here what if you put them over here what does it mean to this person what does it mean you know to that person is it the same thing and i think that's really interesting you know just to kind of like like they're you know aphorism isn't just an aphorism it doesn't have a stable significance which i think is like very true yeah, you yeah. Know, and 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 sort of interestingly explored so so then next we're into the mm-hmm. hug montage mm-hmm. oh we get we get clark and maddie <laughs> yeah. um and then hugs and death, hugs and death. <laughs> um so uh so we get the clark and and maddie saying like yep. you're my family family protects each other which i which i love they're... but it always makes me laugh because it sounded exactly like that line from lilo and stitch <laughs> oh that's what it is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's i'm a- wondering why it was so familiar <laughs> yes that's it's it. because it's from lilo and stitch <laughs> <laughs> and it makes me laugh every time <laughs> oh my god i love it you're welcome amazing. Uh, that's amazing okay. I mean, Jason does have like you know a six-year-old yeah. girl, so I imagine yeah. he's it's like. What are your like movie Jelana influences maybe. for the season, Jason? Well, there's Alien, there's Lilo and Stitch, Mad Max. <laughs> I would, I would, I would die for him to give like some like super serious inter- you know, like Entertainment Weekly a variety. It's like, well, I was really inspired yeah. in crafting this season by thinking really deeply about the powerful sort of story of humanity. That is Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Lilo and Stitch is also a movie. That's true. And, and so a family. Theme. <laughs> totally fits in. And a family. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm crying. Okay, so hug montage. So, um, so Cabby, we talked are. about. 
in the desert, like when Maddie oh, and Clark are hugging, because it looks like they're reuniting, okay. doesn't it? So here's so here's my thing. It does look. So like I looked at this screen cap really carefully, and I don't think I recognized anybody in it. Maybe that dark haired lady from the. Um, from the ring fight, the new dark haired lady is maybe standing behind Clark, but it, I, it looked like Clark and the Rover in the desert surrounded by people who kind of looked grounder ish, but none of them looked familiar. I think, but there's a person way behind. Yeah. There's a guy who looks like Octavia sitting, uh, to the left of Bellamy. Really? Octavia sitting to the left. Uh, yeah. Like the guy in the back behind Clark. It looks kind of like from the angle because Clark is running. It kind of looks like that's Bellamy and like she was maybe with Bellamy and is running to yeah. Matt. And someone looks like they, okay. Like and there's a bunch of dead people as well. Yeah, there's there's, there's and there's oh, yeah, blood. Sure. There's like, tons of blood. Yeah. Um, they just it looks like they just fought a battle and maybe like Maddie. Yeah, yeah that's what I was wondering. Was if was if like they if this is a a rescue party that has come to save Maddie and they took out whoever was holding her. And that fits cap- in with like everything else we're thinking about, like why Clark goes to Polis, like why she yeah. meets up with Bellamy, why yeah. they march, all that yeah. stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, that would yeah. make sense. Yeah, um, but yeah, definitely yeah. Bellamy yeah. is there. I'm pretty sure. And mm-hmm. Octavia. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty cool. sure okay. that's Bellamy. Um. And then, and then the tall, dark-haired lady from the fighting ring. I think I also see standing yes. behind her during the actual hug. Yes. Um, yes. Kara, Kara Cooper. Cooper. Yes. Obviously. Yeah, not Kara, Kara Cooper. Cooper. <laughs> so I keep calling her if any Tamora Pierce stands in the, in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> ah. um so then okay so then hug montage so so the cabbie so abby waking up we already talked about um and then the max and hug so this is I'm so i thought i'm interested in selena's thoughts on this because i know it's going to be the most important part of the trailer for her i thought it looked like a goodbye <laughs> hug like they're splitting up and maybe jackson is going off with the exodus of people walking across the desert and maybe miller who has a backpack on is going on like an expedition because clark's there in the background um and then there's also a dead body or or a wounded body on a stretcher right next to them so there's a lot going on in this hug that i have questions about and i wanted to know what selena's thoughts were <laughs> Okay, guys, let's do this. How many hours do I have? Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think this picture, fit, first of all, what a wonderful surprise this hug was. Um, yes, but- yes, yes. This was not, this, we, it was a surprise for us too. This wasn't mm-hmm. in the original, yeah. in the trailer that we saw. There was a Bellamy uh-huh. hug um, that got mm-hmm. swapped wow. out. Well, there you go. Um- so, so somewhere, somewhere in the season, there's a Bellamy yes. Miller hug. We can uh, but but yeah, so so this like clearly the some of the pictures Jason posted from Polis that show Clark Bellamy Miller and like some other guy with a backpack that's like probably related to this whatever's happening here. And I totally agree. I mm. think that it makes sense that it's a goodbye hug. And the only thing giving me pause is that they almost look like a little bit happy. But then that might just be like, it's so brief. So it's like hard to say. It's like a very intense hug, like a kind of like, I'm so relieved you're safe as opposed to bye. But then if they think it's like a goodbye for a long time, then like that makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
and we and, and we I know to that say, like they're probably like just about to kiss let's just like yes assume that i hope so happening and like <laughs> i very much want that to be yeah. true um well and we know so something i think is interesting just sort of juxtaposing this with um you know we we don't we have no way of actually knowing when in this season this happens. We know it was added late, but we don't actually know when in this season it's from because Jason added it because he was just like, you know, like he loves <laughs> yeah. Suchin. He thinks, you know, like Suchin is such a great ambassador for the show. And he was showing him the trailer and was like, realized like Suchin wasn't in it. And he was like, oh, we should, you know. So so it certainly could be that this is from earlier in this season. And this was just like a scene of Suchin that he liked that he wanted to put in. Um so it doesn't necessarily timestamp it in any way, like along the chronology of this season, just because it was added late in the game. But we do know from the um, kind of behind the scenes pictures of everybody in the finale, like, like everybody ends up in like the, you know, end game, whatever big, you know, battle thing happens. Um ends up in the desert and everyone's there and Jackson is also there. Cause there's like, you know, like there's shots of like, it's like such an end and Lola, like running around, like goofing off, you know, outside the rovers and stuff in the desert, like in where the, wherever they shot all the sand stuff. Um, so, so just that made me wonder, like, do they end up separated for most of the season on kind of like separate unrelated quests? And then, um, the finale is kind of like, you know, like everyone's sort of re-congregating back in that, you know, either if it's Polis or the desert or whatever. Um, and that maybe like, this is what? Miller going off for the adventure squad with Clark and Melanie. Right. Well, yeah. And I think, I think that's what it, like, I absolutely think this is Miller going off for the desert walk with Clark and Bellamy. But the thing that's interesting though, is then where is Max, not Max, and where's Jackson going? Because, like, where else is there? Yeah. Yeah. He's, so, Miller has a backpack. Miller has so a backpack. I, but, I think but like, that do Jack- they stay in the bunker? No, because I. There's nowhere else is, to go. This is what I think. I think that Jackson, as the doctor, goes where the majority of the people go, and that this is connected to everyone, like, marching across mm-hmm. the desert. Like, the thing that we see Charmaine watching of, like, everyone from, like, Octavia leading bunker crew um to okay. like wherever it is they're going i think that wherever the majority of people would be especially if because we don't know what where abby's at in her story so it's possible that she's also off doing something crazy and maybe jackson's the only doctor so i would imagine that wherever there's like the densest concentration of their people is where he would go so if everyone is like marching across the desert towards the green space uh-huh. um to take back the place, you know, from Elegis or whatever, Jackson would go with them, but Clark and Bellamy might have a totally different, you know, thief related errand <laughs> for Miller that they want him on their adventure squad for. Well, he is a great um, thief. So, and he is a great thief. And, and I would love for Bell- Bellamy and Miller's relationship to like, you know, be plot connected again, because they're just, that's such a, that's you know. That's so interesting though. Jared said at Unity Days, Jared said at Unity Days that he and Bella, uh, that he and Bob. Uh, oh, good. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. But yeah, so. But I just wonder, before, like, so. we, because I assumed, it's so weird. Like, who are these, like, when are these groups going to be in the desert? This is such an impossible puzzle because we know that Clark and Bellamy yeah. and Octavia yeah. are all going to be in the desert at the same time. So, when does that come? Yes. And for some reason, Octavia is also, you know, like that's where Octavia looks like, you know, she kisses yeah. Bellamy on the cheek and they have, 
you know, he looks very distressed, which also looks like they might be parting right. ways. So, so it's when like, is like if the army is going, is going to um, to fight like across the desert, the fanatic army is going to fight Eligius, and we know that that Miller is in this army, and we've seen him marching next to Indra. We know he's in this army. So where's Jackson at that point when that army is marching? Is he marching mm. in a different? You know what I mean? Like there's something is not adding up here. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Well, I wonder if it's like I wonder if that's a misdirect within the show, like because okay, yeah, so Maxon is the misdirect the, of the whole thing. This is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was just thinking with like the army thing, and well, and with Legius being like, look at them marching across the desert. There, it seems like Legius is assuming that that they have the drop, right? But if Bellamy has been on the Allegius ship, then he's seen those screens. He knows mm, that they're being okay. watched. What if they've set up a mister? What if they've set up like a, a like a misdirect for Allegius, like to make them think that they're going one way and actually they're like you know yes. planning an ambush, almost like Trojan- yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah like, like if like if they if they're like okay everyone march this direction because this is like a big obvious you know troop movement thing that would catch Charmaine's attention so she will be watching where the big mob of people led by Octavia is going and then Miller Bellamy Clark whoever the fourth person was that we didn't see um yeah have some other well and also yeah we don't they're know- like they're like the they're gonna ambush or they're gonna like come right in the vanguard well, because because so so the yeah. so it's all so we know that like where clark lives and where the ship lands are both in the green space but the green space is big enough that raven can see it from space so we don't actually know how close they are so it could be that like you know are people marching across the desert in a direction that's like towards the ship but charmaine and her peer or, or towards shallow valley or whatever the settlement but then they're actually the other group is sneaking on to like maybe there's like a, a a a battle that happens at or near the ship and a battle that happens at or near or around um where Clark was living where Charmaine and and McCreary have clearly set up camp so i don't know but um but i but i am i'm highly i'm like i'm with you Selena i feel like the the timing of how all these pieces fit together is confusing especially knowing that the vast majority of this stuff is from like before episode 7 because we saw it all before <laughs> well, you, know, you know what i think makes it extra confusing this time is that in previous seasons like these characters they move in and out of formation like weaving in and out around like like they are always changing position and always moving in different directions but here there's only like a couple of locations like that all look the same mm-hmm. like inside a ship it could be any right. ship at any yeah. time right. in 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 a desert yeah. everything is yeah. desert <laughs> and like and yeah, and, exactly. and then obviously yeah, yeah. there's the green yeah. space uh which is like yeah. the, i guess the only one that's like identifiable but again, with the different time jumps as well and mm-hmm. all the locations that look like we have like three or four locations that look the same and there's yeah. no way for us to know. <laughs> like this really, this yeah. really mm-hmm. is very clever because we sit here thinking we have it all figured out, but mm-hmm. like it could be anything. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And we don't even know like all, if all those deserts. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like exactly mm-hmm. because it's all deserts. Like, so so it could just, be like yeah, formations yeah. like Miller and Clark yeah. and Bellamy go to this part of the desert while like Jackson right. goes to another part of the desert. Uh, Octavia is in that part of the desert. Then Bellamy joins Octavia in that part of the desert while mm-hmm. Clark goes, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Well, and, and the desert, yeah. you know, like, like it, it just like 
Polis is is now at this point largely desert. Like some of these desert shots could be like five minutes outside the city. You know, like it it isn't necessarily yeah. that it's all right, yeah, totally. the same desert as the like you know Clark alone with her jaw stick in the Sahara shot from the first montage. Like some of these things that are lit, like you know, oh, you're in a sort of like desert wasteland, could literally be like we're right outside the Polis gates. Exactly. But I do yeah. wonder if some... how all deserts in this world look like the same quarry. <laughs> it's so weird, right? <laughs> oh my god. Um, but no, I, was, uh, I, I do wonder, though, if this goodbye scene, like, if it sort of indicates that some people are going to be sticking around the polis slash bunker area, just like while the battle is being fought elsewhere or if Octavia is really going to take every single person inside that bunker and being like, okay, it's all or nothing. We're all going to march on Eligius and live or die. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that could be one of those things that they debate about. You know? Right. Well, and uh, especially like, so, so if, um, so if the, if Bellamy and people from space crew have made contact with the bunker and, and have brought a ship, even if it's just like the little mini rocket or whatever, they brought a ship like basically, you know, down to earth. Um, then one thing that they have that they didn't have before that could make it much more feasible to stay in the bunker is food and water. Like if, if they bring, if they yeah. bring algae or the algae farm or even a portion of it down with them. Um, and, and that's something that they're able to get going and like that could make the bunker I mean, with this, with the door opens, so people can kind of come and go, but that could make it much more habitable and potentially like there are people who stay there, you know, like there, cause there's children in this group now, exactly. like they kept the children. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and so maybe there's like civilians who stay in the bunker with some group of like, you know, guards or protector people or whatever. And then there's Octavia's army, which didn't necessarily look like 1200 people, but we don't know. Um, and, and that part of space crew reuniting with bunker crew is that there maybe is a way to make the bunker a more livable place, you know, without, cannibalism and starvation or whatever um if if that becomes part of like monty's story maybe yeah, yeah. i don't know uh speaking of algae yeah monty <laughs> the next hug in line after that is uh marper yep marper in their, in their little kitchen in the little algae <laughs> the kitchen. kitchen yep definitely looks like they're on the ring because we can see the algae behind there so uh, so if that's not a flash, I mean, we don't know, like, if that, if that isn't a flashback way back in time, then suggest that at least at some point, Marper is still together. Yep. Yes. Um, yeah. And maybe they made it all the way through. I think it's really interesting that they jump, that it goes directly from that to a door closing between Murphy and Amor. Yeah. Oh, no. So that, so I... I did not I – re I remembered the shot of um, – like, I remembered Murphy, the sort of, like, implication that he's going off on a, like, another mission or he's – and this could easily tie into the, like, um, you know, the let's the, – what the hell, let's be good guys and the other sort of we, – we get shots of him with the same sort of, like, whatever ship lighting thing in the background behind him. But I did not remember – and maybe I just didn't flag it or maybe it's new – the kind of lingering, sad – Amori's face shot as the door closes and and that kind of feeling of like separation and melancholy between the two of them like that felt uh -huh. new to me 
Was that new to you? Guys? I did remember that. Okay. Yeah, no, I I remember that. Yeah, okay. I, I think that that, that that's because that's like the only shot we get of Imori in the whole trailer, right? And it's yeah, kind of like, like one or of of like just a couple. But I do think it is is really interesting because clearly this trailer and everything that that the cast have sort of teased suggests that by the beginning of this sh- of this season, Memory are not together. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that it's the end for them. Particularly because of that shot, because if that's if that's when they're being separated, it's still like about them. So I'm really, really interested in how that goes and how Imori. I'm so excited for not that I don't like Memori, but I'm so excited for Imori to be without Murphy. Yes, she gets to interact with the rest of the. Here's here's what I want. If if Murphy and Raven end up separated from the group because like either like either they go over to the Elysian ship and then they get kidnapped or captured and maybe like maybe the reason that they're a year late coming down from space is because they're trying to figure out how to like i don't know they're getting their like this a separation happens at some point but what if what that means is that at some point like imori has to pilot a spacecraft like if imori yeah. becomes raven's oh like engineering assistant over those 6 years because she knows tech she oh, understands shit. like all of this stuff she knows ally tech specifically if there's like ally on the yeah, arc or whatever but i love the idea of like you know, in a in a world where like Raven is forcibly removed from the space crew storyline as the engineer, and it is Monty and Amori together who have the tech knowledge, who have to like, yes. you know, either either steal uh, a Legia ship and get down to Earth, or retrofit the pod, which is why there's maybe only five people in there, or, or whatever happens. I don't know, but I I love the idea of Amori getting a really substantial. Um, sort of using her brain kind of technology related storyline that draws on that other side of her that's unrelated to her relationship with Murphy. Yeah, that would be super Same. cool. Yeah, I would love that. I'm just, yeah, I'm very, very, I like, I hope that she gets some kind of storyline to develop a little bit on her own. Cause like, you know, she's really just been Murphy's uh, love interest for the most mm-hmm. part. So, um, Give us the ladies. And then we get <laughs> Murphy's iconic. <laughs> yes. <sighs> oh, wait. No, we no, first, first, first is uh, Octavia. Uh, Octavia and Maddie and the, and the knife yeah. and blood packs. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, so and and then guys, apparating Clark. <laughs> yeah, right. I was just going to say, like, did you guys notice that, like, yeah, obviously you did, that that shot of Octavia and uh, Maddie, they are alone. And in the next shot, Clark is right there. I didn't notice it until until you said it. I was yeah. like, "Wait, what is Celine talking about?" And then I went back and looked, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, there's her hair." Yeah. So I, I did not catch that. Only you caught. So that. I find that so interesting <laughs> because clearly there's something fishy about the the editing of the scene, but it might not necessarily be misleading in terms of what she says and who she says it to, unless she doesn't say that line, "Girl under the floor" to Maddie. But I like your theory earlier about her being hidden as a nightblood, so I wanted to be true. Yeah. Um, I, I suspect that that's probably that is a line because I, I don't know who else yeah, would be logical. Right, right, exactly. To, you know, like everybody else knows they'd be like, "Duh, Octavia, we know that." Um, so I, I mean, I think it, see, it makes sense that she says that line to her. But yeah, I mean, and the the kind of like the fact that the one without Clark, the shot without Clark, is shot through a gate. It suggests that like they're being watched, or that maybe that like there's something kind of like covert 
about the two of them sort of meeting together, which is really intriguing. Um, I sort of wonder, because we know that, I mean, Gaia's down there, and Gaia still has the flame. So I wonder if there won't be some amount of conflict. I, mean, I think we talked about this a little bit already uh, many hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, about, you know, um, uh, Maddie taking the flame. Yeah. If, if she's the, if you know, Clark is like the artificial nightblood. She's the, presumably the last uh, known, you know, like organic nightblood. Um, so it seems like that would be a logical place for that to be. Yeah, and the question is, like, what Octavia's endgame is, and we can sort of gauge a little bit based on them saying we don't like her, to saying that maybe she doesn't have Maddie's best interests at heart. But if Octavia's plan is for Maddie to take the flame, either because she doesn't want to be commander or because she wants to be able to control, like we talked about it, like three hours ago, <laughs> uh, to, let's, let's go back and start again. And uh, you know, um, everyone's forgotten by now. But yeah, no, if she wants to control the commander, if she doesn't want to lead anymore, yeah. or if she's just setting Maddie up to like for some kind of a fake out, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one yeah. of those things I feel like yeah. is gonna happen, and it's gonna be, yeah, my god, I, like no matter which one of them it is, I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Well, too. I and I I felt like you know, and even with last season, you know, like the introduction of of Gaia, um, the fact that she is a Nightblood Scout has been sort of like tangentially plot related, but has not really overtly come into play yet. And I've been waiting for that to become a thing that sort of moves to the forefront of the story because, like, with last season, like she was she was like definitely like a a an a disciple of the flame religion, but the fact that her job was scouting for nightbloods and, and that she had that, that deep um, kind of connection to, you know, to preserving that piece of grounder culture, which is why she was so kind of horrified that Clark was like, would fake it, you know? Um, So, so what I'm, I've been really, really interested in sort of wondering how like the fact that Maddie is a nightblood and the fact that Gaia is a nightblood scout feels like if there isn't a huge kind of potentially explosive leadership shakeup storyline involving those two pieces of information, I will be very surprised. And if, if Maddie actually was like, if the bit about Maddie um, hiding or being hidden from Nightblood Scouts is true, then that's a really fascinating wrinkle too, you know, that that Gaia would have to confront like, this is a Nightblood I didn't know about. You know, if Maddie tells her like, here's why my family or my or my clan or my village hid me from you because like to us, you know, you were, you were just sort of doing what your religion taught you was right. But to us, you were sort of like this force of terror coming through. Yeah, like, you, you kill children. Families. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think that would be really fascinating to watch that, to that sort of crisis of fate. Yeah. I, think so. I also I really wonder, think like, just in terms of them, the religious people calling the army fanatics and, and sort of having this idea of one crew being united, like, as one force. I also wonder if maybe the only way for Octavia to prevent one crew from shattering and maybe from some of the, the clans to defect to Eligious, uh, is to be like, we have a real nightblood, you know, like that's what I, it's, yeah, yeah, like for sure. Does, yeah. Does it become a thing where, where it's like, this is the way that she can, um, sort of put to rest the, the kind of, um, 
fracturing an internal conflict that has been, you know, percolating between the clans the whole entire time is in some way a return to the way they're used to things being done, which I don't, which I have mixed feelings about only because the sort of like who takes the flame, who has the flame in them, the flame as the kind of like uh, in terms of what it symbolizes and the old sort of hierarchical power structure of grounder life. Um, I'm like, I, one of the things that I'm interested in about one group was the total dissolution of um, kind of the way those lines used to be drawn. So I think if they're going to go back to that, well, I want it to be um, taking the story in a new direction as opposed to just like, we have a nightblood. So once again, now we're doing things. We're just going to go back to the old idea. Yeah. 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 Um, but I, but I think that, um, and and also having a nightblood is not something that means anything to the one twelfth of this group that was Sky Crew. Also, you know, uh, right. but I but I do but I do feel like um, I think that I think there's something in the Maddie Octavia Gaia Clark um, sort of uh, that that whatever is going to happen in that storyline that I there's a million different directions that it could go, all of which are very juicy. But it does really tie into you know that thing that. Um, that Jason, you know, was saying as early as the end of last season, which is like, you know, what position does Clark find herself in if what she wants for Maddie or what she believes is right for Maddie um, and what appears to be for the good of the order, you know, are, are not in alignment with each other, where do, what the sort of, in the two sides of Clark kind of um, at war with each other, the, part of her that is the mom that wants to protect this child from harm and the part of her that can't switch off that Clark brain. That's like, how do I save my people and keep all these people safe? Um, uh-huh. So, yeah. So I think, I think Maddie getting the flame and leading the army into battle against Eligius up against like, that's my kid could be a really interesting place of internal conflict. Oh my God, you guys like this season is going to like KO the Bechdel test. It's going to be amazing. It really <laughs> is. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It really is. Which, which yeah. it, I mean, which it does, like, like every season oh, yeah, for does sure. anyway, but this is like even more, yeah. Not to shake yeah. the previous seasons, but that, oh what God. you just said like, on all those women that were going to be fighting for or against yeah. each other, I was just like, yes. Yeah. That's I want, <laughs> one of the things that I, you know, like there's, there's, there have certainly been things about this show since the beginning that I've, that I have not enjoyed as much or that I've had problems uh-huh. with or things where I was like, Ooh, that's kind of clunky. But the thing that, you know, when I'm trying to recommend this show to other people, like the thing that I always come back to is like, have you ever been asked to care about so few white dudes? You know, like, have you ever <laughs> in your whole television watching life had an ensemble this big where there were so few white dudes that who's, interior life you were supposed to be invested in and even these <laughs> ones are great it's like it's murphy and jasper you know and roan and people who are like they're fascinating on their own in their own right but like you know like like this like there's there's a there's a whole other completely you know like different version of this show that could exist that would be all like you know five white teenagers and most of them are dudes and then there's two girls that are love interests and it's just like lord of the flies on the ground um and what i love about this and especially with this season with 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 charmaine coming down with like with the leader of the enemies being like our first our first real lady human lady villainous, I guess, you know, really since Diana Sydney. Allie doesn't really count because she's a commuter, but um, <laughs> she counts. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. But um, yeah. but I love um, but I yeah, I love I love the fact that she gets to you know the sort of like warrior you know badass scary action hero you know person leading the you know prisoners as a woman i love how much um relationships among women like the you know clark and octavia clark and maddie you know obviously abby and clark um gaia and indra gaia and octavia like all of those like this the lady relationships are just are already just like so amazing i'm super excited uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I just one of those things I sort of hadn't, I had not thought about a lot. I didn't like forget, but I just kind of stopped noticing for a while um, until I remember like it hitting me uh, when I started watching The Expanse, which I love The Expanse. It's a great show. Uh, Claire definitely needs to watch it. Yes, um, I will. I will. <laughs> but but in set, but in the first season of The Expanse, especially, I remember watching the first few episodes and being like, oh my god. There are so, so many, many men. Dudes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then I was like, oh, I have been so spoiled by the hundred. So We're spoiled. spoiled. I forgot. Yeah. I was like, that's, yeah. that's actually more normal. But it was just like, it was weird to watch it for the first few episodes because I was like, why are there so many men? Where are all the women? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing yeah. is that, the, the, and that's what this show sort of, you know, I feel like doesn't get enough recognition for it. It's just how flawlessly yeah, just full sure. of women it is. And in all types of positions of power and all kinds of different types of women. And like, obviously it, ca- it can always get better, but I feel like it is getting better from season to season and, and even more interesting and telling even more stories. And as you said, like there are all kinds of characters. They're all interesting. There's not a single character on the show anymore that is not interesting, you know? Um, but but I do think that that's kind of thing. I had it, the exact same reaction when I watched The Expanse. I find it really difficult to get into a lot. Like um, I know you guys talked about Altered Carbon, and I I have watched the whole thing. I I didn't love it, but I also I had the same thing. I was like, well, okay, there's some women in the flashbacks, but like, ah, uh, so many dudes. And like every time I watch a thing, I'm like, yeah, yeah no, yeah, <laughs> like I mean, it's like, not enough for me. Like, like hundred really really. It genuinely took me a little while to get into the expanse, just because I was like, every time you know the Miller Miller on the expanse, not our Miller, but the Miller on the expanse. Every, you know, <laughs> so every many Miller on the screen. I was like, yawn, whatever. Like I know this dude. You know, I've seen this dude a million times, and you have not given me a compelling reason to care about this dude when I'm over that dude. You know, so it was like. I got into it. It is great, but it was just sort of like I definitely was sort of like, oh right, oh dang. <laughs> yeah, you forget that it's yeah. not just like yeah. one woman surrounded yeah. by a bunch of men. Like it's all, all, m- much of the time it will be. But anyway, it this season, like in terms of all the characters they've brought in, I think this is actually the first season that there are more female lead actors than male lead actors. And that seems like that doesn't seem to add up because there have always been a lot of women, but they've been like in recurring roles, you know, like there's a vast majority of women in recurring roles, but then as for the main cast, it has always been like slightly skewered male. But this year with the absence of Jaha and the addition of Echo, there you go. Yay, women. Yeah. And, and, um, and Ronan, (laughs) Ronan Jasper out of the main credits too. So there's those two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it's definitely like, it's a, it's a very lady-tastic yeah. trailer in some ways that make yeah, me thrilled. Show, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then we close with, huh. with uh, Murphy saying, what the hell, let's be good guys, which is just like <laughs> such a great line and 
Oh my God. I love it so much. I love it for what it indicates about what Murphy's journey could be, but it's also just such a fucking fantastic line. And then juxtaposed with Clark's like, there are no good guys. Bang. I was like, this is a fantastic ending to this trailer. <laughs> it's like a beautiful juxtaposition of two totally badass moments, but I'm <laughs> yeah. so excited to see what happens. I really want, I know I am. Um, I was going to say, I really want on. the Clark thing to be a fake out. And she's actually like shooting a deer. <laughs> yeah. Or it could be like target practice. That would be yeah. fun. Um, I was just going to say about uh, the, the um, let's be heroes. Why can I never remember the uh, fucking let's like, be good guys. Um, let's be good guys. That's the one. What the hell let's be good guys. When I, uh, I was interviewing when I interviewed Richard I was like okay so that's a, like an amazing line and he was like he, he basically like repeated it I think three times in a row <laughs> 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 he was like yeah let's be good guys and he was like let's be good guys he just kept going it was funny um, but what he what he said about it which is really cool it's obviously it's one of his most interesting line like he's one of his favorite lines but it's also just like he emphasized like the way it's being said it's like, like very, it says a lot about where Murphy is at that point, which I think is really interesting. Like if you watch it and if you listen, like it's, I, I just think it's a, it's going to be a really, really, really iconic Murphy line. And not just because it's like, it's snarky, but just because of like what it, what it signifies. I, yeah, it's going to be really good. It's going to be so good. So excited. Yes. Who, who is Clark uh, shooting? Do you think? Is it that guy fighting earlier? I mean, like, it seems odd to me that Maddie's just, like, standing there next to her, you know? Like, if she was really being yeah. like, imminently attacked, it seems like Maddie would be, she'd be, like, getting her behind her or, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And it's a handgun, not a rifle. Like, it doesn't yeah. have the scope on it. Um, well, maybe she, they've, like, they've trapped one of the religious guys. And then, like, before Clark kills, like, she, they, she's like, he's if we leave him here... Like, he's going to go back and tell them where we are. And then Maddie's like, oh, no, but what if they're the good guys? And then Clark is like, there are no good guys. That could be. That could be. Yeah. Yeah. Which would be a really, really cool parallel to um, Dioza, to Charmaine executing that guy, too. And you know what it it would also really scarily and probably accidentally uh, echo is... When in season two, when they've tortured the grounder and Finn shoots the grounder. And that's not, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bring up the F word. Um, Welcome back on this podcast. But I do. (laughs) No. Um, Team Finn. (laughs) But I do, I do think like, uh, probably not like on purpose because I doubt that like, Clark is going to go down the Finn yeah, route. Like yeah. I would be, be weird. very surprised <laughs> if that happened. But but it is kind of like a like instead of like being scared kids who are like, oh no, we can't kill anyone. That would be bad. She's just like, but I'm he's a threat. I'm going to get rid of whoever it is because he's a threat to my family. The you know, which would be an interesting turn for Clark. It would be an interesting. I mean, it, you know, it's kind of. Goes back to that's much more of a well, I mean that's like a, a season one Bellamy thing to do, you know what I mean? Except for Bellamy could never actually bring himself to do that, but <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> season three Bellamy thing to do, I guess. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah. Ah. Season yeah, one season Murphy, Murphy thing to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Murphy was more. That Murphy is also more true. Strangulation, though. I was, yes. Handguns are yeah. so <laughs> even more <small>. <laughs> 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 All right. This is such a good time. Such a good trailer. It was so good. We talked for almost four hours about it. Good job, team. That is one hour per minute. And we're not and we're not editing this. So Well, this is like purely Jason's fault because he was like, ah ha ha, you can't figure it out. And all three of us oh. were like <laughs> pushing us you, buddy. We getting figured to- it all out. We figured out that Kane is a janitor. <laughs> Male, Male pregnancy. pregnancy. <laughs> we got it all figured out. That's yeah, it. That's, that's what we got. Right there. It's actually like the, the real story of season five is how a humble janitor named Marcus Kane became the first man to give birth to a child. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and the epidural makes him speak in only Trigetta yeah, slang. Lo- which is oh, why he's saying, get it out. Why, this would be why Kate, like, we, you know, we don't have any hints, like, nobody's been talking about what his arc is, because his arc is all about him being pregnant, and, like, just saying that <laughs> is a spoiler, right? So it's, like, gotta be totally under wraps. You're so right. Uh. <laughs> oh, my God, amazing. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Selena. We're talking... Thank, Thank you, you for having me. Night. I don't even know what time it is where you are, but it's got to be super late. It's only midnight. It's only midnight. That's too bad. This was amazing. I love this. I hope that we like overturned every stone. Yes. Um, if there's any stone unturned, you know, after four hours, it's just going to have to stay there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this is delightful. I hope that everyone enjoys how delightful we are because we think we're delightful. And it's an objective fact. <laughs> and really at this point, we're all just like <laughs> rambling because we don't know what else to do. Uh- <laughs> yep. All righty. Well, thank you all for yes. listening. Uh, we will. Uh, I, we have other stuff happening some point in the future. Yeah, we we've got we we totally plan on we promise we're gonna finish season one. We have one more episode to do. I've been waiting um, so for that. At some point before season five starts, we will do our recap of season one. Um and uh yeah, and we've got a couple of other like interviews and special things that we'll announce um as they happen, but that I promise is happening. Yes. <laughs> I know people yes. have been wondering like if we're ever gonna finish. Yeah, you're gonna finish. Um and then yeah, and then we'll be back in April with regular weekly what the fuck is happening on the show screaming. So it's gonna be very exciting. And uh Selena, you will be covering uh the show for Hypable once it comes back. Nah. I'm not going to do it this year. <laughs> not into it. Yeah. Over it. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> yes, I will be. Huh? Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I will be doing uh, the 100 coverage over in Hypable, and uh, we have some actually some really fun stuff planned as well. Ooh. It's going to be so good. I love all this. Ooh. I love all the fandom stuff. I love all the interviews and all of the special Things that we guys, we, we guys, we we guys, I'm so tired, <laughs> that we all managed to do to sort of 
enrich the experience of the fandom. Yes. So look forward to like so much of that and might awesome. be more eloquent than I am right now because uh, we are all I have out of words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at that point in, the, in my like speech where I forget what language I'm speaking. So I'm like really struggling to hold on to my English. Right <laughs> You're doing so well. I mean, like, honestly, Thank it's, you, it's amazing. <laughs> I could never even been anywhere close to that fluent in a second language. So all the Americans are like, no, this is incredible. <laughs> um, so yeah. All right. Well, bye everyone. Thanks for <laughs> bye. Bye. Bye.